is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Happy Friday and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you in a busy, busy show today. Finishing off the week on WST. It's Friday. Marbles, you know what that means. End of the show. Make sure you're with us in the YouTube chat for your chance to play and win. And a great lineup of guests. We'll talk a lot of Jets coming off that disappointing loss last night in Toronto. Scott Billick's first up. And then Kenny Weeb a little bit later on. And Hey, my favorite football weekend of the year is here. Divisional playoffs, the final eight teams in the National Football League. And we've got to get Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on. Hacksaw is going to join us a little bit later on in the program as well. Um, so, yeah, we got to get to this game last night. Was some good news after the game. Connor Hellebuck announced as an addition to the Central Division All-Star team. So the Jets will have two representatives. We'll touch on that as well. But just before we bring in Michael Remus, Shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. Podcast listeners, if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, make sure to do that and uh, give us a sub. You'll enjoy the video content as well if you normally consume it on audio podcast. And uh, for you YouTubers, make sure to find Winnipeg Sports Talk and give a sub wherever you get your favorite podcast. So in case you're not able to watch or consume on YouTube, you can always get the audio podcast of the show shortly after we finish up just after 3 p.m., Huge thanks to the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day. We couldn't do it without them. Led by our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and we'll get to a why not question of the day for the gang over at Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, happy Friday. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm ready for the weekend. We got a lot of NFL games to talk about, right, Hustler? And, yeah. Uh, Let's just get into it. Two hours of NFL talk. <laughs> Maybe we'll mention the Jets All Star game now. I I guess we kind of have to get to that game last night. Which, tell you what, I mean, this this was not the game against Montreal, uh, which was an absolute dud. It was a pretty fun hockey game last night, and I know there'd been a lot of talk about the Jets starts overall. I love their first period. I thought they were somewhat unfortunate to not have a better fate being 0-0, but they had a terrible start to the second period. I mean, to give up that play and that goal to Austin Matthews eight seconds in completely flipped a game where the Jets were the better team for the first 20 minutes. And man, uh, uh, you know, credit where credit is due. We know how good Austin Matthews is. It doesn't take much to get him on the scoreboard. And the Jets were entirely too generous with some ugly, ugly turnovers and opportunities. And um, the guy that led the league in goals last year made the Winnipeg Jets pay. And at that point, after Mitch Marner scored on that, well, we'll get to that power play and the shorthanded goal against, which was an absolute dagger. Uh, it didn't matter what the Winnipeg Jets did. They were behind the eight ball, too much to come back from. And, hey, you got to tip your hat as well to Sam Sonoff, who was brilliant in the Toronto net. It wasn't like the Jets didn't have some nice looks last night. No, they definitely had um, some really nice looks. I'm, just in that first period, I think the Ehlers off the post, um, Dubois in front on the power play. And, yeah, I mean, you give make some mistakes. They made a couple, and they ended up in the back of the Jets. Center. I mean, Austin Matthews walking in, picking the corner. The other one, I mean, you have a power play, Huss, and you think, okay, you're down 2 nothing. 
you got a chance here to at least come within one and you got a, you know half a game to tie it up um you know you try to make a fancy little draw pass there uh, right before the blue line marner picks it off goes down and he snipes on connor hellebuck as well and i agree that was definitely the dagger but you look at the uh but the deserve to win o meter here on Money Puck. I mean, they had the Jets right in there. Uh, you know, at 60% things going. I mean, expected goals, even Jets, ton of shots in the right areas. Definitely was better than the Montreal game. Uh, so they were neck and neck, but uh, oh. I'm, I'm seeing the comments in chat. I mean, it was Samsonov that was the difference. They couldn't beat him, and uh, they did eventually get one on the power play. I mean, some great passing on that five on three, and Oof, that I mean, if that was a win, that Kyle Connor rocket shot, like under the bar, like oh man, that was one that uh, you get you get shivers looking at that shot. It was that was a pretty one, but uh, overall, not the result we wanted. It hurts, stings more, Huss, against the Leafs, seeing all these <laughs> Leafs fans cheer and having to w sit through an interview with Austin Matthews immediately post game when they go to oh, the panel listen. and they talk all Leafs. It was it was tough. It didn't matter where you went. I mean, I always like to go and check out what the opposing writers have to say about, you know, the the game that just happened, win or lose. And I sort of expected that they'd be saying, well, you know, it was a, it was an excellent game. Winnipeg was good. Samsonov was great. It was just an absolute slurp fest of Austin Matthews. <laughs> I mean, it really was. And it didn't matter whether you were watching on television or going on to some of the reports. I mean... The Jonas Siegel piece in The Athletic, and I love Jonas. And I mean, yeah, hey, here. listen, I mean, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd probably be that same guy. But I basically don't hide the fact that I'm pulling for the Jets when the team plays. A little maybe more forthcoming with it all. Um, but yeah, it was like he could have had four or five. He was, and that's not wrong. I mean, Hellebuck made a heck of a save on a um, partial breakaway by uh, by Matthews in the first period, one of the few shots they did get on Hellebuck. So he was impactful. But like I said to the guys, and shout out to the gang at BP Charles, who had a great time last night with a big crew. It was all fired up for the game and obviously left a little disappointed. Um, but about five minutes into that third period, it was overheard. I'm like, hey, guys, you might want to pay attention to that guy in blue wearing number 34. Um, because he ended up killing the Winnipeg Jets last night. And that was a big-time player rising to the occasion and making the most of his opportunities. And listen, the Jets had plenty of opportunities themselves, in particular Kyle Connor earlier on in the game. It seemed like he had to get one at some point, and he did on that five-on-three. Um, but man, some puck management and some really, really ugly defending led to um, giving Austin Matthews enough rope that um, he ended up um, being the difference last night. I'll say the Austin Matthews play actually wasn't uh, the shot on that first goal uh, that I liked. Um, Morgan Barron, I thought, had like a wide open net there in the third period, and they're trying to come back, and the shot gets blocked, and it's Austin Matthews. I was like, what is this guy doing? Going down, blocking shots here. Uh, this is a regular season game, but... I think it did have, uh, I saw some Toronto fans tweeting, like, great atmosphere. I'm um, seeing comments in chat. Big True North shout out before the game. You know there's a lot of Winnipeggers in Toronto, so I think the Jets, Leafs, do have this rivalry. I know Leafs players were not happy with, uh, was it last year? Uh, who loves beating, is there anything better than beating the Leafs? Like, uh, <laughs> from the Jets uh, dressing room. So look, the Jets wanted to win. 
uh samsonov played awesome he was he was the difference maker and austin matthews as well and you know ehlers had chances connor had chances but they just couldn't put uh couldn't put a past samsonov and i i'm beginning to see comments has about the line uh blending that that went on before the game we talked about that saying ah you know this isn't gonna last but uh, it did last uh through the whole game yeah and to be honest i i I don't know. I, I guess I'm not that surprised considering the amount of action and traction the Winnipeg Jets had in the Leaf zone quite a bit last night. Um, it wasn't like you saw them right off the bat and they were a complete mess. Although, man, when you look at some of the top guys, and I mean, let's face it, we know who was on when the goals were scored against. Connor, Dubois, Ehlers, Shifley, all minus three, Wheeler minus two on the night. Um, you know, unfortunately, they weren't able to make things happen and get any past Samsonov, and many of them were central characters in the mistakes that led to the Maple Leaf goals last night. Um, that's a good team on the other side, and I'll tell you what, I think they did a pretty good job, the Leafs as well, of maybe, you know, limiting the amount of chaos in front of Samsonov proactively by getting ahead of it, challenging at the point, but the Winnipeg Jets did generate a ton. What was it? Samsonov ended up with 37 saves last night. And again, the one goal that did get past him, no one was saving on that shot from Kyle Connor. But when a guy like Kyle Connor has the looks that he had last night with six shots on net, especially earlier on, more often than not, he's beating the guy. And sometimes you got to just tip your hat. That being said, as we'll hear from Rick Bonus in a minute, some of the opportunities that the Leafs scored on were basically giveaways from the Winnipeg Jets. And you mentioned the goal right off the bat. I mean, you know, listen, Mark Shifley ended up on the highlight reel for a couple of the wrong reasons last night. And that move right off the second period face-off that Austin Matthews did on Shifley, I mean, listen, he's got to take the body and he's got to be better. But that was the full-fledged bullfighter move where he ended up putting a stick around him he got absolutely nothing, not a piece of Austin Matthews. And the next thing you know, it's in on a two and one and he buries it. And then, you know, as we'll hear from Rick Bonus in a minute, I mean, an absolutely terrible turnover trying to, you know, dipsy doodle against two guys on a power play. Next thing you know, Mitch Marner's making that thing three nothing. Um, you know, it was, uh, Shife's been really good this year. He's been much better defensively. Um, but you do want your leaders and your top players to, um, you know, to kind of stick to the plan. And those plays last night, not part of the plan, certainly not what Rick Bonus is preaching and um, was a big part of that loss last night as well. Yeah, I just got the feeling from Bonus. He didn't come out and give the Paul Maurice, uh, I liked our game. He didn't quite say that, but he acknowledged that, look, we made, for the most part, they played pretty well. They made a couple of mistakes, some bad ones, and they got burned and they got to clean that up. Thankfully, looking at the schedule, they do have Ottawa and Philadelphia, you know, get a bit of a breather here. I mean, you still have to win the game, but they did play Montreal Tuesday, and, yeah. and it wasn't, wasn't an ideal game, but they can get back on track. But I don't, I don't think Sky is falling or anything. They ha I agree they have not played uh, the, you know, the standard that they set the last couple here. They escaped with some wins, but they're still in a good spot. Um, Dallas did win yesterday. Minnesota lost. Colorado quietly has a three-game win streak. Uh, they're creeping in there, uh, 10 points back of the Jets. So 
Um, again, you're still in a good position overall. You're you're playing well. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice, Hess, to get a win in the center of the universe yesterday. Yeah, so we can't talk about the first oh. place Jets anymore because the Dallas Stars are now the first place team in the Western Conference and in the Central Division. Although the Jets do have one game in hand and can tie the Dallas Stars if they win tomorrow in Ottawa. And you do mention Ottawa and Pittsburgh, I just realized, Dream, are playing tonight in mm. Pittsburgh. So this is a time where the Jets are in Ottawa, chilling, getting ready for tomorrow's game, and uh, the Sens have to play tonight. So that is an opportunity, especially facing a two-game losing streak that the Winnipeg Jets have to come out and um Listen, they got to get two points. They got to, you know, not lose three games in a row. And they've been very good at that all season long. Um, so certainly the schedule is smiling on them a little bit. But um, the best thing they can do is be a little bit more judicious with the puck um, and a little bit more on script when it comes to the defensive structure that the Winnipeg Jets have had. And I think they'll be in a much better situation to try to start a new winning streak tomorrow as opposed to extending this losing streak on this road trip. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Jets roster on their website, Hustler, and just checking birthplaces. And I don't see anyone on the Jets born in Ottawa, uh, born in Philadelphia. So... You know, we talked before the game about the Jets' record and homecoming, you know, homecoming where you have a ton of family and friends. We've gone over this Minnesota, uh, Detroit. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Montreal. Montreal was for Dubois. And Toronto, Perfetti, 200 people to count. And, again, another L. So, uh, look, it's... We're, Friends and we're, family are banned. We're not, like, we, we, need I mean, to, we need to. We need to start doing things a little differently. I, I, I mean, I think it's great. You all have friends and family, but the stats <laughs> don't lie us. Where we hype up, okay, this guy's coming home. Uh, they've lost. <laughs> they've lost all the games. So uh, maybe with you know, there's no one from Pennsylvania, no one from Ottawa. I think they'll be okay here. In the next couple. Well, we'll uh, talk about it coming up with Billick and with Ken. Let's uh, hear a little bit from uh, the coach. And Pierre-Luc Dubois spoke after the game as well. Uh, and this was Bone's synopsis of the loss to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs last night and what he thought of his club's play. We played We played really well. Uh, we had a much better effort, a much better compete. Uh, the mistakes we made with their best players on the ice were glaring. And when we gave them, to me, we gave them those first three goals. That's all on us. That's, uh, we give those those guys, uh, Matthews and Marner, that, those chances they're going to score. We had some great looks. Their goalie, uh, we couldn't get that timely goal that I talked a lot about, and their goalie made a lot of big saves for them. Uh, but it was a much better effort, much better compete. Uh, the score is the same. I get that. And we've, uh, if we have create that many scoring chances on Saturday, we'll find a, we've got the goal scorers. The puck will go in. All right, there's Bones. And um, listen, I, I pretty much agree. And I usually do. I mean, Bonus is pretty honest. I mean, he's not trying to. Uh, he's not trying to pull one over, I think, on Jet fans. I mean, he uh, hated the game on uh, Tuesday, and st- as did most, um, including, I'm sure, the guys in that locker room. Um, and the compete was better. And, man, I thought they were flying last night, too. I mean, there was times where Rick Bonus said the team really wasn't skating the way they can in Montreal. I really thought they did that last night, and that was a big reason why they got so many pucks on Samsonov. But the combination of a goalie that stepped up and played really well and, as the coach just said, 
I mean, the Jets were the authors of their own demise. You just simply can't give those sort of opportunities that they did early in the second period to Matthews and Marner. If you do, it's probably ending up at the back of your net. That's exactly what happened, and that ended up being the difference in the hockey game. But I love the way the Jets continued to skate. I like the way they pushed in the third period. And there were some times where you felt that there was still a possibility that they could get back in the game the way that they were playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I agree with Bones. I mean, I'm not, I don't think you can take like a sky is falling here. I mean, this was much better than Tuesday and a lot of their chances simply didn't go in and Samsonov was pretty good and they made some mistakes. So, um, you know, you move on. Uh, Dubois said there's some things that they know they need to clean up and um, I don't I don't think we're going to have a three-game losing streak here, although I, th- I thought they'd win yesterday. So I guess I would be, I'm on a bit of a losing streak as well in terms of predicting what's going to happen, but um, this is st- I think this is still a pretty damn good hockey team, um, and we'll we'll move forward. I did see some people in Kenny and Randy Huss, who you know had the in, the in their chat yesterday taking a page of Libel's book, saying oh they, you know they haven't oh re- sky is falling yeah through. haven't really beaten anyone, and I'm seeing people show put out records in chat, and you know someone in chat was like oh you know their record against Minnesota, Vegas, Toronto, Boston is well they're winless against those. Well you know they had pretty good games against Dallas, Colorado, Carolina, uh, Edmonton, and so I looked at their record against all teams in the playoffs. They are 11, 12, and one, so like one game against 500, but they've been pretty good against the teams they should beat, and that's how you uh, get a good record. So. Um, again, I think the solid hockey team move forward to Ottawa. Yeah, well, and listen, that's going to continue because they got two teams that are way out of the playoff line back to back on Saturday and Sunday in Ottawa and Philadelphia. And um, you know what? Listen, you're going to lose some games. I mean, they were terrible against Montreal. Hopefully, you don't see anything like that again for the foreseeable future. Um, and a game like last night, I mean. I thought they played well enough that in different circumstances, maybe they win that game sometimes. But as I said, the combination of a hot goalie and some self-inflicted turnovers and mistakes, glaring ones that allowed the Maple Leafs to capitalize on it wasn't a winning formula last night. Um, But the one thing the Winnipeg Jets have done well all season long is prevented long losing streaks. Uh, and beating teams below them in the playoffs. And certainly that is what is on deck for the Jets in Ottawa, Philly, and then a big one Tuesday against the Nashville Predators to finish up this five-game road trip. Um, Here's one more from Bones, who just talked a little bit more on the game and how we felt his team bounced back from uh, that ugly night to start the roadie in Montreal. Listen, we made a huge mistake right off the bat on that first goal. That's just, you know, they, everyone's ready to go. Just a, just a terrible play. Uh, and then we, we had some looks. We just, we just didn't score that goal to get us going. Uh, and again, the, the chances we gave those, those two guys were. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> what a hilarious way. And then again, if you're listening on the podcast, um, I mean, I don't think Bones wanted to expand on it much more. It was pretty clear that he didn't like it. I mean, you don't often hear a coach just say straight up, hey, it was a terrible play. Uh, I just shook his head and move on to Ottawa. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois spoke after the game as well, and he was not pleased with the result, certainly, but um, here was his synopsis of uh, what was the uh, downfall for his club last night. Yeah, I think... You know, a Tuesday game to, to now doesn't even compare. Um, I think tonight, you know, Bucky gave us a chance to stay in it like he always does. Um, we just got to find a way to get 
a little bit more offense, uh, five on five. What do you do after that first 20 minutes? What, uh, what happens in the second? Is it just chasing the game after that? Or no. I just mistakes that lead to goals. All right. There's uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, uh, I mean, listen, I think they were – I mean, they, they were fired up for that game last night, Remo. I mean, uh, they were skating. I mean, that first period, as I said, I, you know, we talked at the intermission with the fellas I was watching the game with, and you – you had to feel good about the way that came the way they came out and the way that they were playing, um, but it completely flipped eight seconds into the second period. And I don't know, we've sort of gone over that as well. Here's one more clip from Dubois, um, and you could sort of feel how dejected he was after the game because I think they did think that they were certainly in that one a lot more. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a loss, and according to Pierre Luc Dubois, stating the obvious, losing not fun. Losing is not fun. You know, we say good teams don't lose two in a row, and that's two in a row. So, you know, we've looked at our past couple, you know, seven or eight games here, and it's not the, the hockey we've we've played all year that's made us successful. You know, even sometimes you, you you're lucky enough with a goalie like that to get a win, even if you don't play your best, and you know that kind of hides sometimes the mistakes that you make and. You know, right now, he's Bucky's still giving us a chance to win, but you know, we we, we have a lot we have a lot better to, to we can do a lot better out there. All right, so there's Pierre Luc Dubois, um, uh, and you know, Pierre Luc Dubois giving some credit to Connor Hellebach, who did uh, you know, listen, there wasn't a ton of work in the first period, but there were a couple of pretty nice scoring chances. We mentioned that one from uh, from Austin Matthews that he ended up saving. There was some good news for Hellebuck and Jets fans after the game. Remus says Connor Hellebuck was announced as the uh, as an all-star. He's going to be rolling with Josh Morrissey to South Florida and his family very much deserved. And I can't say this was a surprise, but man, Reem, I'm interested in your thoughts. When you see the players that came in that were announced, is the entire voting process a bit of a, a bit of a sham? Yes. Um, when you looked at it, it was like pretty much who you thought should get in, got in. If they're not revealing numbers, um, there's no transparency. Um, I know they did that Twitter vote. I don't even know how you ca- would calculate that, but Montreal fans are claiming that they slammed Cole Caulfield's name in their Twitter thing, and uh, he didn't get in. So, yes, I think that if they're not revealing uh, voting numbers, then they just picked whoever and wanted the free social media engagement and like it got Connor Hellbuck in. We wanted Dubois and or Connor to get in. They did not. Uh, it was Rantanen and McKinnon, and I don't think you can really argue. I mean, maybe against McKinnon because he was injured and hasn't played, but I mean, he's a guy you need him at your marquee event for stars. It's just disappointing that they do this, you know, format us with the four teams, so you're already limited. Like Stuart Skinner is getting in because... You know, there's not that great goalies in the Pacific Division. You have to have one from each team. So what, Seth Jones gets in, and he's having a pretty terrible season with a terrible team. So That's all-star Seth Jones to you. Yeah, all, so pumped to see Hellbuck. Honestly, third has third all-star game appearance, which, uh, I, I mean, time has flown by here. Um, you know, he's among leaders in uh, games played, minutes, what, 22 wins. He's got, you know, his day, they're, they're having his cumulative numbers, like number of saves, but you know, he's top in save percentage and top 10 in save percentage of goals against average. So well-deserved for Connor Hellebuck. 
And I see two Jets representatives. Didn't get Bones, but you got two players. I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, at the game in Florida. Yeah, and hey, one other hockey note from last night. Um, Max Pacioretty injured. Now, he had an Achilles injury. He came back, and if you saw the end of that game late in the third period, went down lame. It looked like some sort of an Achilles injury, and you know, you really do wonder what that does to Carolina. They've never been the most aggressive team at the deadline. And in a big way, I think they knew they were getting Max Pacioretty back to add to a team that's having a great season already. Um, but if it is, if the worst that is feared actually comes to fruition and he's out another extended period of time with a further injury to that Achilles, um, I do wonder what that does to Carolina when it comes to the deadline and some of the players that we've talked of the the Jets might be interested in. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a former Jed there, Paul Stasny, actually fitting in uh, quite well, you know, played up and he's played all over the lineup, um, you know, with the injury they had to Pacioretty and and others. But, yeah, that didn't all look good. Rod Brindamore did not sound optimistic. I do wonder. I mean, that's a team that is going for it. Uh, they've had some playoff disappointments the last couple of years. And do they look to acquire someone to uh, replace Pacioretty? And one other, one other note from last night has before we get to Scott. I thought Paul Maurice was going to get fined another 25K. Uh, Mike Matheson going into the corner with Eric Stahl, like stops well before the puck, hits Stahl, who doesn't have the puck. Stahl is down and out. He, uh, who Matheson had to fight Matthew Kachuk later. Well, Matheson got fined, you know, didn't get penalized for the play, but got fined 5K, which is a pretty lame amount. I mean, that's a pretty uh. dangerous play. I see people, oh, reverse it, reverse it. I mean, that was. Clear interference, clear dangerous play. That should not be in the game. You can't hit a guy who doesn't have the puck. You go, go in the corner and, and get it and you know, let him bounce off you if you want. But that's not, that just doesn't seem right. And it was pretty, I don't know, it was a pretty punishing hit on a guy not suspecting it, didn't have the puck. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was an ugly play in the game last night. And not surprised there were some extracurriculars after that from a pretty feisty Florida team. Um, all right, we're going to get to uh, more on last night's game and look ahead to the weekend and the latest on the Jets with Scott Billick. Ken Weeb coming up a little later on. And we will get to the NFL playoffs later with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton before we drop the marbles to finish off the week. Uh, folks, that cold weather is just around the corner. Is your car and your battery ready for it? Well, if the answer is no or I don't know, you should be talking to Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery. Uh, you can pop in at 1026 Logan Avenue. They're great staff to give you a quick battery test and let you know exactly what the status of your battery is if you're unsure. But if you do know that you need a battery, well, first of all, Manitoba Battery is the number one place for all batteries 24-7 and 12 months a year. Uh, but in this case, as we get ready for the winter, you know you need a car battery. Save time and save money. Get the best price in town. The Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you anywhere in the city same day if you order either by phone or or online at manitobabattery.com by 3 p.m. The uh, best prices in town, shop locals, save time and money. That's what Manitoba Battery is all about, along with some of the best service in town from a great staff from Donnie and the gang down on Logan Avenue at Manitoba Battery. Um, of course, we're doing marbles. We're still buzzing about our big December marble run with Consolidated Supply and the Tournament of Champions. But as we've turned the page into 2023, so is Consolidated Supply. Getting ready for golf season as a leader with golf carts, irrigation, and more. 
but it's not just for golf courses. It can be for your property as well. If you're thinking about projects that involve irrigation or potentially artificial turf, Joe and the gang are ready for you to get planning on those projects for this summer. And while you're thinking about maybe dealing with the landscape in the backyard, how about a hot tub? What about a beautiful outdoor kitchen? Consolidated Supply has a ton of great options. You can find out more by popping in and seeing them in person at 1395 Niaqua Road East or check them out online at their new relaunched website at cte.ca. Don't forget, folks, we're still welcoming nominations for our Unsung Hero with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey for the month of January. We're looking for people in your life or in your community that selflessly donate their time, hours, and passion to helping others in the community. It can be charitable work. It could be doing random acts of kindness and taking care of people in the neighborhood that need. It could be people that selflessly donate hours upon hours to keep sports programs running or extracurriculars in schools. Let us know. Nominate the unsung hero in your life at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. The winner for January, like our other winners, will get a autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman uh, Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory, of which Josh is an ambassador for, in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that nominated the Unsung Hero. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match Wallace and Wallace's donation as well. So uh, everyone's a winner. Unsung Hero at winnipegsportstalk.com is where you want to send those entries in. And thanks again to Wallace and Wallace for their great support to WST and this program. And just before we bring in Scott, uh, don't forget if you're dealing with cold, sore throats or immunity <laughs> issues, Vita Health Fresh Market is the place with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. Battling colds and sore throats has never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. And if you're celebrating a sober January or Veganuary, you'll find a fantastic selection of non-alcoholic beverages and vegan and plant-based options as well. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives since 1936. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's get to it. Weaver coming up a little later on. And let's welcome in Scott Billick. Billick, what's up? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm in a good mood despite the loss last night. Uh, I did enjoy the game. I'm very much excited for the football on slate this weekend. It's my favorite weekend. And they'll look ahead to maybe a trip to the AFC championship game next weekend. We'll uh, (laughs) we'll see about that. Um, But let's get to last night. How did you see things from uh, from your perch in that, that loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs from the Jets perspective? Yeah, I mean... The Jets played a pretty good game in the first and in the third. I thought, you know, outside of their the giveaway off the draw in at well, Mark Shifley getting walked eight seconds into the into the second, leaving Austin Matthews wide open in the slot, and you know the 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 issues on the on the PK there. I mean, I, I didn't have an issue with the game. That the Jets probably should have won that game. I think even in Money Park, you go there. I think the deserve meter was in Winnipeg's favor. Expected goals was in Winnipeg's favor. Puck possession was in Winnipeg's favor. 
I mean, all these things were in Winnipeg's favor except for the score, right? And I guess at the end of the day, that's what matters. I mean, you got it here now. It was a 4-1 result. But people are getting down on this team after last night's game because they've lost two straight and saying that, you know, it was like the Montreal game and all that. Like, I mean, to me, that that's ridiculous. I mean, the Jets the Jets came out really strong last night. Oh, was it 16 shots? 16-6, to six, I think, in the first period. Um, but, I mean, their, their power play wasn't that helpful. I mean, you look at the – obviously, they scored on the 5-on-3, but you got a minute left of 5-on-4 to, to try and maybe capitalize and bring yourself back into that game, um, and they don't do that. The PK was good, uh, you know, again. So – but they couldn't score 5-on-5. Five five. I mean, you know, it was, an, it was an issue all night long. I mean, Hawks were bouncing off sticks. Uh, it, it was all over the place, and, and nobody had any finish. And, at the end of the day, you know the Toronto Maple Leafs have two killers on that team, and, and they both and they both ate last night. And and you know when those guys eat, uh, if the Jets aren't doing it, um, you're not going to win a game against against Toronto. And you know that was the difference to me. It wasn't goaltending. It wasn't you know whatever. It was it was two giveaways, two really pretty bad giveaways, one bad piece of coverage, and. And 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 just not being able to finish, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the Jets probably deserve to lose that game because of that. Um, but they deserve better, given all the chances they got. They just, but you know, if you don't take advantage of them, um, that's it. And then they didn't. And yeah, I, I'm not yeah. sure whether it was a complete lack of finish. I mean, I will give some credit to Samson. Well, Samson I mean, played I good. Thought, yeah. I have thought he had a great game, and especially in the first period. I mean. You know, and Rick Bonus often talks about timely goals, timely saves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know there's some debate as to, well, I mean, everyone's important, right, when you add them all up. But, man, if the Jets were able to capitalize on one of those 16 shots in the first period, yeah. um, you know, they've got a little bit more of a cushion maybe to handle an egregious mistake or two that happened coming out of the gate of that second period. But, um, you know, they like it wasn't like some of the games where they just – haven't been getting into scoring positions. They haven't been getting chances. I mean, Kyle Connor could have had three or four oh, yeah. last night as well. Um, but unfortunately, when you don't capitalize on those chances, your room for error is diminished greatly. And then when you have self-inflicted mistakes like happened at the start of the second period, um, it gets compounded. And a team like that, Scott, compounds yeah. it fast. Austin Matthews maybe hasn't had a career year so far. Um, but he showed that he's ready for this push going into the playoffs. And as impressive as the goals that he scored were, maybe the best statement for Austin Matthews and where he is right now and maybe for the Toronto Maple Leafs going forward was what Remus talked about earlier, third period, wide open net, Morgan Barron's there, and who's the guy within six feet of the net going down on all fours to block the shot? Austin Matthews. So... Listen, their best players were the guys that made the difference last night. But I will say that, you know, while Connor Hellebuck made some big saves, um, there was elite sniping when it came to those opportunities that got the three in. And the goalie on their side stood up and certainly deserved to be one of the stars of last night's game. Yeah, I mean, I thought Hellebuck was great last night. I mean, you again, outside of, you know, getting barred down by Marner and two two on, on Austin Matthews, one essentially on a breakaway. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have too much of an issue. I thought he made a massive save in the first period when Nylander slid him the puck there on the on what should have been well, what could have been a tap in goal for Matthews, and 
he made a big save there. Uh, you know, he didn't have to make a lot in that first period, but uh, you know, that was a huge one to, you know, to not kill the momentum that they were doing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Ilya Samsonov was good. You know, you just expect the team with the with the shooters that the Jets have um, to 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 finish right. I mean, this is so. What's the difference last night is Toronto's good players beat Winnipeg's good players, and 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 that's the end of the day. I mean, you know, the Jets have an All Star goalie, a Vesna winner, and all that stuff, but they were able to beat him. Um, you know, so you can say Ilya Samsonov played as good as he did, but you expect Winnipeg to find ways past the best goalies. They have to. I mean, that, that's just the name of the game right now. Um, and yeah, they just, I, I thought they looked good last night, but it just, it wasn't there in the end. And um, what did you think of, yeah. what did you think? I mean, listen, we, we went into this game with a real different look up front. Sure. Yeah. And when bonus was asked before the game about those lines, he sort of laughed and said, well, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. It lasted throughout. And, yeah. and I think part of that goes to what he had to say after the game, where he really did like the way that they played. Yeah. I mean, they were skating, they were generating a lot. Um, and again, I don't know, maybe we need to see this a little bit more because I do maintain that if the Jets played that same game and had those same chances that they generated in a number of cases, we're probably not talking about a one, like scoring one goal in most of those cases. Um, But did any of the ones look better than others to you? I mean, what stood out last night, uh, you know, lack of scoring success, notwithstanding from, uh, from those new look lines, because they were pretty different than what we've seen for the most part. I like Mark Scheifele's line, and and people are gonna say, "Well, Mark Scheifele made those egregious errors." And yeah, one was on the power play, and one was, you know, uh, he got walked by Austin Matthews. I mean, Austin Matthews is a great player. Should should Mark get walked? I don't know. But you know, to to, to the question, I liked how Morgan Barron stepped up last night. I thought Morgan Barron had all sorts of chances. He didn't look out of place with those guys. No, and that's that's exactly it, right? So I think that's why he stuck with them. I again. This just goes back to I thought that Winnipeg had a good game. And so, you know, when Winnipeg has a good game, their lines were having, you know, a good game. I thought, I mean, Kyle Connor and Pierre Tabot combined for 11 shots on goal. I, I know that, and 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 wait, Nikolai Ehlers had like 11 attempts and, and four shots, something like that on, on Shifley's line. Morgan Barron had a couple of shots. He had obviously that one blocked by, by Austin Matthews laid on there. Um, so, no, I, like I thought there was some chemistry there. And, and Sam Gagne said it yesterday before the game, that sometimes, you know, lines just get stale, right? And you got to get another look. And after Montreal, everything looks stale in that game. It just, it didn't look good, right? So, um, but I, I liked Shifley's line with Ehlers and and, and Morgan Barron. I, I thought you've got Morgan Barron, the guy that's going to go into the corner, dig out pucks and do all that kind of work. Um, Nikolai Ehlers, who is, you know, one of the better passers and playmakers in the NHL. And then, and then Shifley, who can do it both, right? He can finish, he can pass, he can do all that. And we've seen Shifley and Ehlers together before, um, and and it's worked well. They they've had chemistry. Um, you know, I think this is one thing. Kind of go off on the side here. I think this is one thing this team has kind of dealt with. It's almost like they're, they're waiting for some of these players to kind of catch up with themselves. Um, you know, it, it's been a bit of a struggle since some of these guys that missed. Well, Ehlers missed eleven games, right? And and so you're trying to find that chemistry with him, trying to put him on a line with with Connor and Dubois. And, and getting that to work and it, you know to some success I suppose Ehlers was getting his points for sure um, but you know I think with Blake Wheeler coming back in and Manalainen and all these guys that have missed a lot of time uh, it's been difficult plus it's, it, it's changed the look of this team I mean this team was very much a, a team that was relying on its depth 
and and a lot of hungry players, you know, trying to make a name for themselves or stay in the lineup or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, back to the, the, the original question. Yeah, I like Shifley's line. I thought it looked good. I think that's a line you want to look at again. Um, you know, I think Blake Wheeler needs to take another step here, but yeah, I, I think he's just, you know, he's an older player trying to come back from an injury um, and, and just haven't maybe found a stride just yet. Plus, the other thing with this team is I don't know how many of these guys are still sick um, or still battling the illness. I mean, I was on the road with that team. I, I'm surprised I didn't get sick last week. Everybody was sick. I mean, it, it was... Cole Perfetti looked like death one day. Um, it, it was it was really bad. Morgan Barron too, um, you know. And now you, I think Dylan Sandberg got the bug. I mean, so a lot of these guys are various are dealing with various illness. Not this is probably the same illness, but varying levels of it um, and that sort of thing. And I don't think that can be um, discounted either at the moment. Um, just how much some of these guys have played through, and 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 some of them can't play through it, um, just given how sick they are. So yeah, I mean. I'm not, the sky isn't falling, I guess is what I'm saying. I think I, a lot of people last night are, you know, figuring that, you oh. know, everything's going downhill. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, before this, they, they won seven of eight. I mean, and, 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 and here's, here's the kicker for me is Pierre Luc I mean, we, you watched him last night after the game. Um, quite uh, distraught, I suppose. But these guys recognize that they haven't played well. They're saying it. They're saying it now. They're not saying it at the end of the season. You know, it, it's only game, whatever it is right now, close to 50, I guess. Um, and, and, and these guys aren't saying, you know, they're not they're not hiding behind the fact that they won some of these games, um, you know, the Arizona game for one, um, uh, by, I guess, the skin or the teeth, so, uh, you know, I suppose. And and they're not hiding behind that fact. And, and they're recognizing it before, um, before it becomes, I guess, too much of an issue, right? Before it becomes a slide. And... And Dubois said it last night. They saw it last year. They saw how quickly it can spiral out of control, how playing poorly um, and, and losing can, can really affect the team. Um, you know, I think this team has learned from that. And, and I think, you know, I, I think you'll see this team, you know, bounce back from it. And I thought, I thought you saw the bounce back last night. It just, you know, it just didn't work out. It was one of those games <laughs> where they, they probably could have won. Um, but they didn't, and that happens in the NHL. Yeah, it's, close it's, games it's, against good teams go back and forth. Yeah. I mean, often it comes down to, uh, listen, and I think back of that Tampa game, and I often use this example. Right. I mean, that was a game that was pretty even at five on five and was determined on special teams. Yeah. Well, you could make a, you could talk about special teams a little bit last night, and it, but it wasn't necessarily the lack of success on the power play. It was. It was an egregious mistake trying to gain the zone that turned into an inexcusable opportunity for yeah. a guy like Mitch Marner that made you pay. And I mean, those were the mistakes. But heading into this weekend, I mean, I think these are really important games for the Winnipeg Jets. Sure. And yeah. listen, you know, we talked about, you know, we heard from Dubois and you just kind of cited that. Um, they've been a good team with bouncing back, not getting into extended losing streaks. They had that one three gamer on the either side of the Christmas break and then snapped out of that very quickly It is mm -hmm. interesting that Ottawa is playing in Pittsburgh tonight. So they'll be traveling after the game back home. The jets will have, you know, that rare advantage on the road with a home team that was traveling yeah. beforehand and then going against Philly. And, you know, we kind of rolled out. I mean, the jets record against playoff teams so far this year is around 500, but it just goes to show how good they've been against the teams below the playoff line so far in the standings. And guess what you got this weekend? 
Ottawa and Philly, both yeah. teams outside of that playoff line. And, um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are going to need to be a lot more like the team that played last night, hopefully minus a couple of those mistakes. And if that's the case, I think they get back, uh, they get back in the win column, but it will be important. I mean, you got a big five game road trip, your longest of the season that starts with two losses in regulation. The pressure is on right now to get some points out of this weekend before a big game in the division in Nashville on Tuesday to finish up the five gamer. Yeah, you got to get that good feeling back. And I thought, you know, half of that good feeling probably came back last night with the way they played, but you want that winning feeling back. Yeah. And so I think you got to go into Ottawa tomorrow and, and, and trample that team, right? I mean, you know, they can do that. Um, you know, this Jets team, if they played the way they did last night against Ottawa, um, they're gonna they're gonna stomp them. And and the other thing you gotta consider too is Philly's also playing on the back to back on Sunday too. So the Jets are getting two teams in a row on the back-to-back. One of their own will be on the back-to-back. Philly's in in Detroit, so Philly also has to travel, um, too, just like the Jets. So no excuses for them to be 2-2 two and two after this weekend on this road trip going into going into Nashville, where you, um, you know, it's going to be a good game. I mean, it, it usually is against that team. It's a feisty one. Um, and, and, yeah, that's a big divisional game. But, you know, I think the Jets can emerge from the next two days starting tomorrow, two and two with, with I don't want to say relative ease um, because it's never easy to win in the NHL, but I, I think it's a good opportunity. There's the opportunity is there for them to, to make amends for the first two games of the trip and, and, and then go into that third one. And if they go three and two on a road trip uh, right now, I think that's a successful road trip. I mean, Anytime you can come over. Certainly, if you start winning. 0 and 2 oh, and finish 3 yeah, and 2, I mean, I'll say yeah. that. Well, that's fair. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I'm almost stating the obvious here. But I mean, you would say that most road five game road trips, if you if 3 and 2 is a good road trip, 4 and 1 is a great road trip. Um, and anything less than that is not a good road trip. So, um, you know, the Jets can still salvage just one, pick up six points, and, and, and come back home and, and start playing some home games again, um, you know, starting next week. Oh. But got to take, well, yeah. Yeah, take advantage of both of these teams uh, coming off the back. Well, especially, and I mean, you know, it's been fun talking about the team in first place in the division and first place in the central. What is interesting, I mean, Vegas has been in a bit of a slump. I was talking to Gary and he said going into last night, they played two pretty ugly games. They lose last night at home to Detroit Red Wings. And the Kraken actually are now the first place team in the Pacific. But what is happening right now is some of the teams below the Winnipeg Jets are starting to win hockey games. The Edmonton Oilers have won five in a row. Calgary sort of been up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in the division, you've got Nashville and St. Louis that are, you know, in a dogfight right now. St. Louis beating them in a head-to-head matchup. Colorado's getting healthier and getting back to the team that won the cup last year. They've won three in a row. And the Minnesota Wild, despite a recent loss, have been hanging around. So these points against Ottawa and Philly, I mean, you have to make the most of it, especially the way this road trip started in a micro scale, but also big picture to maintain a comfortable spot in the standings as opposed to all of a sudden being in a battle Royal with six or seven teams for three or four spots. Once you have the teams that have established themselves. Well, and it's right. And you look at it and Remo Remo was looking at the, the standings right now. You see Minnesota two games in hand, right? five points back. So, I mean, virtually they could be one point back. Um, you look at Colorado, 10 points adrift, but uh, three games in hand, right? So, you know, they can get in there and, you know, I, I, maybe you're not worried as much about the St. Louis's or 10 games back and level on games. Nashville, 
you can really separate yourself with a win on against them on, on Tuesday, of course. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it is important. These points are important. I mean, you know, you think that Colorado 10 games or 10 points out could be, you know, they're, they're, they're finished, right? Like, but I, I don't agree with that. Um, at least 10 points back of the Jets. And we saw, I mean, we saw what St. Louis did that, that other year, you know, a few years ago, where they went from the bottom all the way to the top, you know, almost to the top. They didn't get into first, I don't believe, that year. They were second um, in the division. But, you know, it, it, it's possible. And and with teams like Colorado, you know, obviously a, a, a Stanley, you know, the reigning Stanley Cup champions who, like you said, are getting healthier. There's a big you know, run in it, the avalanche in the next few weeks. I believe if it so, hasn't right? started There's, already. It, it feels like an LA Kings back in like, you know, back in their, when they were winning cups, when they, oh, yeah, we'll get in at eighth. But I, I don't think that's the case with Colorado. I think they're going to come out. They've already won three straight. So they're starting to get that, that back into them winning again, having McKinnon back and all that stuff has helped them. So, yeah. And, and you know, Dallas has struggled probably, which is, uh, I think they're five, four, and one uh, in their last five. So, you know, the Jets are seven, three, and oh, and sorry, in their last. Um, so the Jets have been able to, you know, stay with Dallas, partly because Dallas has um, had some issues of their own, and they have a game in hand on Dallas still. So um, there's still all to play for. I mean, I, again, you know, this Jets team has put themselves in a very, very good position, um, very likely a playoff position um, right now. It's just going to depend now, uh, you know, where they finish. How does how does this team um, figure it out down the stretch here? Because you know they've talked about this, this is something that they've talked with Nate Schmidt. On the last road trip, we were talking to him after the Detroit loss, but um, talking to him just about, you know, what do you got to do now, right? It, it, because every team is starting to, to either win and buckle down or, or teams are starting to fall apart. And then the Jets don't want to be that team um, that, that has been so successful through the first half of the year um, uh, to be that team that, 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 that does fall apart. They want to be that team that, that tightens it up, you know, fine-tunes their game and that sort of thing. Um, again, they're saying all the right things. A lot of these guys have been in this position before. Um, and, you know, I guess the hope as a Jets fan, um, if, if you're one, is that, that they don't, you know, they don't, they don't fall back. Um, well, and it's and, the and regulation losses trail. that kill you. I mean, you know, you right. can get to OT, you can miss. But, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets right now are 13 games above 500. Dallas is 14. Yeah. Seattle's 13. The Minnesota Wild is 10. Yeah. Um, and the easiest way to, to uh, the easiest way I look at the standings, you know, there's 82 games. Yeah. If you go 500 for the year, you got 82 points. That's going to get you in the lottery. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably mid to high 90s guarantee you a playoff spot. And if you're in triple digits, if you're 100 points, you know, there's a very good chance you're probably going to have home ice at least in the first round of the playoffs. That has to be the goal for the Jets with where they are right now. So we're talking about a team that's 13 games above 500 going forward with what 36 games left in the regular season. Yeah. If you can get five, if you can be five games above 500 over the course of that period, you're a hundred point team. Yep. The issue is right now, and again, of course, that includes these two regulation losses. If you do, you know, go on a four or five game losing streak, you really do lose so much of the ground that you've earned up until this point. Right. Which makes these games on the weekend so important that they don't get into that situation. And that, of course, is something that we've uh, that we've had a very, very good run with. Um, you know, uh, the team's had a very good run with so yep. far. I'm not doing it. Uh, Scott. Trade deadline is a few weeks away, but that has been a big topic of conversation yep. around. Uh, these spaces interested in your mind if you had a uh, 
a w- wish list of Kevin Sheveldayoff based on what we've seen through 46 <laughs> yeah. games. Is it the blue line? Is it a forward? And is there a player or two that you uh, have uh, you think would be uniquely suited as a, a possible trade target for the Jets? Yeah, I think it's a middle six forward is the top one because I think they're they're starting to realize that maybe Cole Perfetti won't be a top six player play, come playoff time. So who's going to replace him? Um, is it Morgan Barron? And I'm just not sure that that will always be the case either. I think Morgan Barron um, would be really good with Adam Lowry on a on a dominant checking line um, come playoff time. Um, so you know we we've heard about this Timo Meyer stuff in in, in recent days, and, and man, that's a I, I, that's a good one. I I, I like the idea of Timo Meyer um, coming to the Winnipeg Jets and and adding his offense. Um, too. I think he's got 26 goals and 46 points in 46 games this year. Just looking at it before I came on. Um, and that that's the one, uh, like, I like that a lot. Um, but, you know, that that's also, there's going to be a lot of teams in on, on Timo Meyer, And so that's one of the same with like Bo Horvat and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I think the Jets would take Bo Horvat this year, um, but I don't think you want him long term. Um, but the Timo Meyer one is an interesting one because, you know, it's possible the Sharks would actually allow him start talking to other teams um, potentially to, you know, to, to resign him do a sign and trade or whatever that sort of thing um, would entail. Not sure the Jets would, uh, you know, the Jets, see, that's the thing. The Jets would get a, an access to a player of, of, of Myers caliber um, and have possibly be able to sign him long-term. I don't know how that fits in their long-term plans though. Um, look at Ken Weave on the, <laughs> on the walk there. Um, yeah. It's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to, uh, um, it, it, it's interesting. I, I like the Timo Meyer one, though. I mean, that's the one now I'm looking at. I'm like, man, they can inject almost, you know, by that point, 30, 40 goals, who knows, in, into their lineup. And and it's it's possible that San Jose, like says the Frank Cervelli talk about it, that San Jose might want to get this done you know, earlier, right, rather than later. Um, so the Jets would have a Timo Meyer in the lineup for maybe a month longer than they would normally have to really get him integrated into it. So... You know, we've talked about the John Taves, Jonathan Taves and the Patrick Canes and, and all that stuff, and, and maybe that would make sense. I don't know if it's cheaper or not. I, I don't know what that oh, I think I think Taves is definitely cheaper than Meyer. Yeah, I was think with Meyer as an RFA, now he does have a $10 million qualifying well, offer that thing, is right? due to maintain his rights. Um, right. But you could hold your nose even if it is just that and know that you could have him for one more year. Uh, and I guess that might put him in line with a whole bunch of the other Jets issues that they've got with a bunch of other sure. players that, you know, he, have he that would time. Provide, I mean, it's a tough one, right? Because, you know, you could sign him now. I believe now is, is, is the time that, that, well, the San Jose could sign him for whatever. Yep. And then and then the Jets could trade for him. I, I don't know if it happens, right? But, I mean, again, uh, there's so much that hinges on this. But do, do you take a, a known player like that, that that's willing to sign for your team? over worrying about, you know, who's going to sign later on for this club and the unknowns and uncertainty of that. Like, if you can get a a, a winger of the caliber of Meyer, I mean, you don't, again, you don't get that very often. But again, I don't know how they make it work with the cap, and that's part of the problem. Uh, Well, and never mind mind the cost to acquire a player like that. Well, Well, I think they would play that. I I think the Jets would pay that to, to... and what is it? I mean, there I was looking at the comparables on Daily Faceoff, and it was, you know, it was a couple first rounders and a second or whatever. Like I, I think the Jets would pay. That's that, a lot. Right? 
It is. It is a lot, <laughs> and but but I think they might pay that price to get a known commodity. Like, like a Meyer. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you know. interesting. I mean, ah, geez, man, when you start talking multiple first round picks, I mean, I think you'd be better off if, if you were willing to part with something like that. I uh, this is only if you can resign, if you can get them on a long term deal. You're, oh, you're not paying okay. that price to, to get them as a rental. I'm yeah. saying if you can find yeah. them long term, then sure. Um, but but if you can't, you're no, you're not paying that. And I think this is one of the things they've said about Meyer too is that. You know, the part of the reason that's going to keep his price down in the trade market is that $10 million qualifying offer. Yeah, right? no doubt about it. Scotty, yeah. great stuff, man. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate Good it. Good stuff. There's Scott Billick. All right. We're gonna have it. We're gonna have a great Ken Ken session coming up. I can already tell. It's a shades of shades of his trip to a haircut back in Orlando a little while ago. Uh, just before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. If uh you might want to wait on that jersey to see what the Jets do at the trade deadline, but uh, it is the best spot to go for licensed merchandise for your favorite Winnipeg Jets gear, Blue Bombers, National Football League, and more. And as I said, I've been telling people this all weekend, if you're thinking about getting out onto the ice, whether it be the outdoor rink or the skating trail this year, an incredible selection of skates, including some more affordable casual skates for people that don't need to be playing in the National Hockey League, uh, but just going out to enjoy the Winnipeg winter. Pop down to Royal Sports and check it all out. 750 Pemina Highway. And you can also check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Fellas, if you're uh, thinking about upgrading the wardrobe in 2023, Andrew and the gang at F Apparel are ready for you. Custom suits beginning at just $400. Some of those great looks you see the Jets wearing as they roll into the arena on their Jets social media feed. Many of those from F Apparel. Do it up however you want. Um, and hey, two important promos going into the new year. Guys, if you're involved in a wedding party, talk to Andrew and the gang about a wedding discount of 15% for your entire order when the full wedding party gets outfitted at F Apparel. And if you've got a high school graduate of 2023 coming up and thinking about what he needs for the big day, free custom shirt and tie with any grad suit purchases, savings of 150 bucks. Pop down and see him, 190 Smith Street downtown. And of course, you can check the motor, make an appointment at F Apparel. That's E P H Apparel.com. And I got to give a shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza, man. We had a great time last night. Everything other than the final score. Um, man, if you're thinking about getting together with the gang to watch the Winnipeg Jets, there is no better place to do it than Boston Pizza. Got those great pick a player contests as well, where you can spin the wheel. I think on the Kyle Connor goal. Table ended up winning a uh, large pizza, which was a nice addition to everything else that was at the table. Bottom line is, if you're thinking about going out to watch the Winnipeg Jets, there's nowhere better to do it than Boston Pizza. Check out all their delicious wings, ice-cold schooners, specials, and more. And if you're staying home, you can order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, um, Raymond, do we have Ken or did we lose him? I saw him uh, I saw him on the road joining yeah. us, and uh, now I don't see him. He popped in. His connection was not good, so I'm going to try phoning him, and he said he was going to tr- – I know. He said he was going to try to get to a better spot, but he hasn't come back, so I'm going to phone him. All right, all right. Let's see what, uh, what we have with, uh, with Weaver. Just checking out the chat. 
Uh, we've got lots of uh, lots of feedback on last night's game, and as and I think this has even been more so as of late. Um, WST is trading their own thoughts on trade possibilities uh, and whatnot. Doug Phil does say sign Meyer long term with what cap space. I mean that is a very very important um, point to, to to make. Whether we're talking about any of these players, any acquisitions. I mean it all has to be done under the auspices of you know what the Winnipeg Jets have cap wise right now. So. Um, we'll see what we can do. I think we're going to get Kenny running back oh. here. And yes, Rick Buck hacks. Hack. Make oh, a great wow. day. Did you guys get to hear Ken? record your message when you are uh, finished recording. All right, I'm calling Ken and he's coming in the chat at the same time. Okay, there Kenny's he got a good right. connection now. Sorry, sorry. Perfect, perfect. We're all good. One sec. Let me bring let me bring him in before you talk to him. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So yes, we have. I'm not sure if everyone got to hear Ken's answering machine message. That makes just for <laughs> no. That didn't great, go on. Only great then. audio. Oh, it didn't go on. We'd get it. Um, but we do have Ken. He's got in a 5G spot, and we'll get uh, his thoughts on last night's game and a look ahead. Don't forget back to back games for the Winnipeg Jets this weekend. Looking for another win tomorrow or, a, well, a win to start maybe a new streak and break this losing streak in Ottawa. And then it's the Philadelphia Flyers on Sunday. God knows the Flyers have been in the news for maybe different reasons than normal. Um, but I think Ken's ready to come in with us right now, and uh, we'll get Kenny tied up. And don't forget, we will talk NFL a little bit later on with Hacksaw, although I am looking to get Ken's thoughts as well. Weber, what's going on? You're uh, running around this afternoon. Thanks for taking time to join us on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's great to be with you. Uh, apologies for the technical difficulties, but uh, always a treat to be together and share the airwaves uh, no matter where we are. Hey, listen, before we get to uh, a, a big weekend for the Jets, I think of four important points for them to get on it. Let's talk a little bit about last night's game. I know you chopped it up with Sean last night, but for those that didn't catch Kenny and Rennie, I mean, uh, what, what were your overall thoughts of last night's game? We've gone over it. I mean, listen, I really like the way they played. It was a hell of a lot better than they did against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. But man, I mean, you got to take care of the puck. And it was, I mean, again, self-inflicted <laughs> mistakes that really led to the demise of the Jets last night, along with uh, maybe a little bit lack of a finish and a hot goalie on the other side. Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. It wasn't the template kind of game, but there was a lot more to like if you were Rick Bonus. But the errors were so glaring that uh, it sort of, almost undermines the majority of the good that the Jets were able to get going in the game itself. Uh, obviously, ample scoring opportunities, a lack of finish, and oh, let's not kid ourselves, strong play from Ilya Samsonov. But, I mean, the Jets put up enough offense to win, but their defensive breakdowns were uh, of the, well, I mean, let's use Rick Bonus's words, not mine, Huss. Rick Bonus said terrible, <laughs> right? A terrible play led to the second or the first goal, and um, you know, poor puck management led to the third. So, I mean, and let, let's not kid ourselves. If, if you leave Austin Matthews alone uh, in the slot, you leave Mitch Marner, the puck in the neutral zone, going the other way, and they go bar, you know, and Marner goes bar down, the, the goals are going to be scored. Uh, you know, having said that, I mean, the Jets, I mean, one of the only concerns, Huss, that I would have, and I know you have the same concern, only one even strength goal in the last four games or three games out of the four goals scored. Um, that would be, a, you know, and not a not a red flag concern, but uh, would certainly be something of note uh, that the Jets will be looking to remedy when they face the Ottawa Senators. So, 
it's interesting. I mean, in a lot of ways, you'd be tempted to say, oh, this was another, you know, measuring stick game, a big stage on, you know, in the center of the hockey universe and the Jets fell flat. Well, that's not actually accurate. Um, they had a really strong first period. Their second period was horrendous, and then they made things interesting, and they were a shot away from making things really interesting. But ultimately, you know, it's like horseshoes. Like, close close does not cut it when you're measuring yourself against top teams in the league, and now they've lost two in a row to another Eastern Conference opponent, Huss. And to me, that that is the other interesting thing. I mean, the Jets have not had a ton of success against the higher-end teams in the Eastern Conference, but at the same time, they've played some of those teams pretty well. So uh, I'm not 100% sure how to all, you know, grade it or measure it. But uh, there were some things the Jets would like, and there were other things they really, really need to clean up. And is that just a symptom or is it, you know, part of the disease that they're trying to cure? That That's the debate. And that that's something that we'll find out in this next 10-game block, if you will. Yeah, Ken, the next 10-game block, I mean, they had... <laughs> As I said, you know, they had the opportunity to get to nine and one in their last 10 in Montreal. And uh, we all know how ugly that game was. And listen, I think this was a far better performance. Rick Bonus, far more pleased with the way that his team played. Um, But you're right. I mean, and sometimes these are just little blips with the lack of five on five scoring. Certainly it wasn't for lack of chances or opportunities last night, which I think was part of the reason why he kept those lines together as they did. And then. You know, he kind of laughed when he asked about it going into the game, Kenny, and that, well, we'll see how long these lines last. They lasted throughout. Um, were you surprised that he stayed with those lines, or was it the fact that they were generating quite a bit? Why would you break those up? You were just hoping that one finally went in. Now, interested in your thoughts on those top three lines as well. Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. I have, uh, I have, I have a bunch of thoughts. Uh, in some ways, you're right. I mean, they were able to generate... I didn't see a ton of cohesion uh, with the moves, but it's also something that I think the Jets need to test out. It's a, it's a good time for a test drive. Uh, that's not to you know dismiss the importance of the games that are being played. I think the Jets were getting a little bit too casual and reliant on their their ability to score off the rush, with the exception of the game against Pittsburgh, which we know was a really quality effort on a number of fronts, including s- strong defensive play and shot generation. Um, you know, I understand the messages being sent. I mean, I think the idea to get Mark Shifley a little bit more speed on his wings, um, you know, by theory makes a whole lot of sense. And there were some opportunities early for Shifley and Ehlers that they were really going. Morgan Barron's a really good, you know, he's a great skater. He's a real good digger. I mean, personally, I wondered if he might bump Cole Perfetti up there during the third period when the Jets were chasing. Um but also, too, I think for Perfetti, he wanted to get him on a line with a big guy like Adam Lowry and another big guy like Sacramento Line, and uh, that could help get him the puck in space. Um, you know, in terms of Dubois' line, I thought Dubois and Connor, they had some really good chances. Wheeler had some, you know, opportunities early where he was impactful. I think as the game went on, I didn't, I didn't like that line as much as I thought I would. And we know that Blake has had chemistry in the past with Kyle Connor separately and with Pierre-Luc Dubois separately. So I'm all for giving it a little bit longer leash us. I just don't know that it got the results. And again, we know it didn't get the results in terms of the actual goals, but in terms of process, I think you could make the argument that there were times when those lines looked good, but I wouldn't be saying that I would be pushing for those to be the lines, you know, moving forward um, as a, as a, as an overall, overall result, because I actually quite liked Dubois. Dubois with Connor, um, 
you know, how they were rolling before. I mean, the only other thing that I would maybe consider us is something we saw last year. Maybe you try Cole Perfetti on the line with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, but then you maybe get into a little bit of another issue um, further down in the lineup. But I, I loved Ehlers on that line for the longest stretch. They were really rolling. And then the Perfetti line with, with Wheeler and Shifley kind of got going, and they just had a little bit of a blip, I would say, against Arizona maybe, but and maybe Montreal. So, again, it's a time of year where I think when you split guys up, Huss, that's a long-winded way of saying, I think eventually the line, the line mates will work their way back to one another. But sometimes it's nice to get a little bit of a refresher and you don't get stuck into maybe some bad habits that maybe you accompany. And it's hard to say that because I know Ehlers hasn't played long enough to have any bad habits with those guys. I just think Ehlers with Shifley was meant to get a little bit more of that explosive speed on the line that you don't necessarily have as much of when it's Wheeler and Perfetti. That line attacks you a lot differently when Nikolai Ehlers is on it. And I know some people were down on Ehlers. I thought that Ehlers' legs were fine yesterday. He was moving, but I just didn't think that line was moving in unison all that well at certain times. Huh? So I'm okay looking at it a little bit longer, but like I said, I don't know that that's going to be how the Jets land ultimately, but I like the fact that they're willing to try some things. And us, I know you're talking about just with Scotty. I mean, I think these kind of moments are important to try to decipher and figure out where guys might slot in if there are injuries or other opportunities brought in by trades uh, and things of that nature. Well, you know what? I, I mean, I guess it's part of it was the it's a two pronged question. I mean, what do you think the coach was looking for in giving Morgan Barron that opportunity with that line and with Perfetti coming down? Like, if Perfetti is not in the top six, where does he fit on the Winnipeg Jets? Well, for me, Huss, I mean, for Perfetti, yeah, obviously he is, his skill set is more conducive to playing a top six role. But, um, you know, he's also a very good playmaker, and he's a guy that has a good shot as a finisher. So, I mean, Adam Lowry's had a strong season. We've talked about that a lot, Huss. I know that the, the goal sc- scoring well has gone a bit dry for Lowry during this stretch. So maybe part of it was get Cole Perfetti kind of moving a little bit more. I mean, we talk about the pace of the game and, you know, when you work with guys who are more on the checking nature, you're kind of trying to get his um, not work ethic because Cole has an incredible work ethic. It's kind of work habits and, you know, maybe being a guy where those guys, you know, Menelainen and, and Lowry do the grunt work and maybe he becomes a finisher. But, um, I mean, too, we also saw Gagne moved onto that line when they had a little bit more of an offensive tilt to it when he was on that unit. So for Perfetti, I'm not, I wouldn't be concerned. I mean, I don't see him being on the checking line. He's a very astute and responsible defensive player. So you don't necessarily lose anything on those regards when you put him on a line with Adam Lowry. Um, But I I don't see that as a, as a fit, even if the Jets go and get a top six player, I'm not certain that Cole Perfetti, you know, automatically plays with Lowry. He might, I mean, then you would see him maybe with Perfetti, with Lowry and Appleton. I mean, that's also a line that you could have a look at too, but I just still think that Cole Perfetti is going to work his way into still being a top six player. I mean, that's that's the kind of player he projects to be. That's the kind of player he has been uh, for the majority of the first half. And ultimately, I think that's where he best fits. I mean, that'll also depend on who the Jets would go out and get in a trade, but uh, I think it's it's not a wake-up call or anything like that, us by any stretch. It's just a little bit of a shake-up in order to sort of try to get some things loosened up and maybe maybe you find chemistry with someone that doesn't necessarily 
uh, it wouldn't necessarily project you. I mean, I think of the Pittsburgh Penguins when you had, you know, you had Nick Benino with Kessel. You're, you know, when you're thinking about a team, you're not thinking, well, you know, Kessel would be great with Nick Benino. You mean you're thinking Kessel would be great with Sidney Crosby or Yevgeny Malkin. But that line ended up being super valuable for the Penguins throughout the playoff run uh, for them in the championship run. So maybe a little bit of that. And also, too, I think it's just kind of it's more of a maybe a stand at attention moment for the group as a whole, Huss, uh, because like we said, I mean, the, the offense hasn't come as easily and you don't necessarily want it to come as easily. You want it to come from work. And I mean, Morgan Barron obviously is a guy that's going to be doing a lot of the digging in the corners when he's up there with Shifley and Ehlers also. And he also has the speed to to keep up with them. So, but again, I, I think Morgan Barron's played his best hockey with Adam Lauer, and I think those guys will find their way back to a line together also. So I think it's more experimentation than anything, Huss, and more maybe, maybe more of an evaluation for some of the players that you're trying to figure out if they're going to be 14-minute-a-game players or 18- to 20-minute-a-game players. Yeah, and I'll say this about Morgan Barron. I mean, I think he's gotten better throughout the season. I think he's getting more comfortable as an NHL regular. I agree with you that he has become very comfortable playing along with Adam Lowry. But I'll also say this, Ken. I was intrigued as to what he would look like playing with a couple players like Shifley and Ehlers. And I'll say this. I don't think he looked out of place at all last night. No, agreed totally. And I mean, he had a really great one-timer chance that it looked like he kind of dusted it off rather than hit the one-timer. But I thought he did a good job of getting to great areas. And I think that one-timer came on a kind of an over uh, overload shift where he was out there with a couple of the fourth-line players uh, that the, the play still got made, and it was an ex- excellently done. Was that the one uh, where again, Matthews saw... was there uh, right in front of the net diving down to block Indeed, it? Indeed, yeah. He ended, he ended up getting the block. Yeah, that's what I said. I think if it's easy for you and I on the coach to say he should have one-timed it, but by the time he dusted it off, it was blocked. But I, I was still, just impressed right that, play. yeah, I was impressed got that, to the that right Matthews spot. was right there. And I mean, I think it showed about how committed he was to leading his team to a win last night. It was just a monster game from Matthews. And like we said, no, at the beginning of the us. second period around like, guys, you might want to pay attention to that guy in blue wearing number 34. <laughs> Because he absolutely killed him. And listen, I, I, what did you think of Shifley's game last night? Because, I mean, of course, he was, you know, on the highlight reel a couple times for the wrong reasons. Uh, and Rick Bonus sort of spoke to that as well. Is that a, a, a point where, you know, you're back in Toronto. He's really trying to make maybe more happen than he might not normally. Or was this just a bad night um, with a couple of uh, ugly plays that unfortunately ended up costing his team? Yeah, I mean, the best players in the game still have uh, rough nights at the office, Huss, and I would say there were a couple of just mishandles. And I mean, I, I think that the, the the worst part for Mark on the first goal is that he was in the proper position, right? Everyone talked about his defensive posture and positioning. He was in the position to check Austin Matthews, but, you know, he got neither man nor puck, and, and, and the stick check was just a little bit too flimsy in a, against one of the premier players in the NHL. So... He did a lot of good in leading up to the play in terms of coverage, but he didn't make the play, and ultimately that play led to a goal. I mean, uh, I'm not saying it's only his fault. Obviously, there were other people on the ice, but uh, the Jets play an aggressive game. I mean, people saying, oh, Neil Pionk shouldn't have pinched there. Well, no, Neil Pionk's job on that situation is to pinch, and Mark was covering him. He just didn't finish the play properly. In terms of the second turnover to Marner, that was kind of one where it looked like the Jets kind of got a little bit discombobulated on the entry. 
Mark tried to slip it past Marner. Marner's a very astute two-way defensive player. He made a great read, intercept, you know, picked his pocket, went the other way and scored. I mean, and then Mark had another um, turnover where it was more of an effort. I don't think he was being casual, but I don't think he was expecting Bobby McMahon to kind of dive and poke it off of his stick. So that's one where, I mean, people said, well, he was just being too too lazy or casual. I don't think that was the case. I think that it was kind of more of a sneak attack from Bobby McMahon on the play that led to the Engvall chance that went off the post. So, I mean, those couple plays in a vacuum, they looked terrible and they wouldn't have looked good on the video, Huss. I mean, in the video session the day after, or if it's two days after with the Jets not skating today, I mean, there's nowhere to hide. There's no cover, Huss, right? If you're in that meeting, you know you made a couple of egregious errors now, having said that, I, I don't think that it undermines the work that Mark has done over the course of the year to make an effort in his two-way game. I mean, I also, to your original point, I do think there is an element for Mark of maybe trying to do a little bit too much. I mean, we know he grew up in Kitchener an hour away. He knows he loves beating the Leafs. And, you know, he loves to share the stage with guys like Matthews and Marner. And he probably wanted to outshine them. And that's not to say he wants to outshine them and he's going to abandon the team structure to do so. Not at all. But sometimes as a player, you try to do a little bit too much and it ends up in the back of your own net. And I think that was just the example of that situation there. I mean, Mark's not going to go to that game thinking, hey, I had a great game. I had an assist on a five-on-three goal. He's going to be disappointed in the plays that he made. But sometimes when you're a skilled player, there are turnovers that happen that, you know, the leash is a little bit longer. I mean, some people were saying, oh, well, Mark should have been benched. Well, Mark had already got bumped. His ice time was reduced the night before. He spent some time in the fourth line. The Jets' best chance to get back into the game was to keep playing Mark Shifley. That doesn't mean there's no accountability. I mean, he's going to be told that, you know, you got to be more careful with the puck, but sometimes there's a give and take when it comes to creative offensive players. And, I mean, Mark Mark will be the first one to say he wants to have a better game Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. Is That's how I would assess it. I mean, was it one of his best games of the year? No, it was one of his worst puck management games of the year. But, I mean, I don't think that... It means that Mark Schleif is going to go on a 10-game spiral by any stretch. I mean, it was just a tough night at the office. For me yeah, anyway. no, I, I mean, and I and, you know, hope that, um, you know, both individually and as a team, um, you know, maybe get a little bit more positive reinforcement for some of the good things that they've been doing tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators. As far as the blue line goes, I, I thought, you know, overall, I thought the Jets' blue line was really engaged. I mean, there was a couple nervous moments involving Neil Pionk in the first period um, where Austin Matthews almost got them up on the board. Um, and you mentioned, you know, that pinch. I mean, that's the way the Winnipeg Jets have been playing all year. That is the way that they, you know, have, have been. I am interested in your thoughts on Vili Hainala and his game. And, you know, getting back into the lineup for these last two games in a row, Montreal, not a great night for him, but there was a lot of company with him. Logan Stanley's getting healthy. Dylan Sandberg's been sick. He'll be coming back. Where where do you think Billy stands right now based on his play and the other guys around him as things get a little bit more crowded on the blue line? Yeah, so I mean, I thought it was a very, you know, sound 10 minutes of action yesterday. I mean, that that's not to say it it was great. I mean, I thought he was he was he was solid in the opportunity that he was given. Uh, I thought he was much more assertive defensively. I thought he was very more active, more active and involved. At the same time, in a game like that, when the Jets are chasing, I think those are the kind of games where Billy's, you know, exit ability or ability to get the puck up the ice or maybe join the rush on the second wave. Those are the kind of games where you'd like to see him a little bit more involved offensively. Now, again, if you're Billy Hanela, 
and you were on the ice for three goals and the night the two nights before you're obviously going to be focused on the defensive part of the game so for me part of that development process i was very impressed by the way that he played his ability to regroup and bounce back that's an essential quality for any player especially a young player in competition for you know full-time work at the same time there's that extra layer of villi's game that he needs to have a little bit more you know not, not necessarily just involvement but those are the kind of games he needs to have a big impact on on the offensive side of the game as well and that's not to say he wasn't involved at all but i would have liked to have seen you know we're talking about him finding the balance for the risk reward in a game like that you know maybe hanela joins the rush and he's able to help get something going then all of a sudden maybe it's a one goal game but um with what he's given he's he's been fine Huss. i mean you're right he had tons of help, uh, tons of company on tuesday but when you're in Billy's situation, you can't really afford a lot of off nights or or subpar efforts. So, like I said, I think it was important for him to regroup. Is it enough for him to stay in the lineup? I'm not sure. I would think the Jets are going to want to get Sandberg back in. Could they consider sitting someone else down? It's always possible. That hasn't been the way that Rick Bonus and his staff has operated to this point this year. Uh, but at the same time, us it just was an important step forward for Hanela obviously more room for growth, but I, I love the way that he handled the defensive part of his game. And I also get it. It's easy to say you want more offense from a guy. I mean, Billy's best chance to provide offense is if he's on the second power play. And right now he's not on the second power play. So it's hard to ask a young guy to provide offense when he's only playing 10 minutes a game and when he's on the third pairing and when he's trying to be more concerned with his defensive zone effort. So um, I, like I said, I think there's there's more to come from Billy Hanela. Whether that's going to come on Saturday or not, I, I don't know. Uh, but we know that you know Ottawa is a team that plays a physical style, so I, I won't be surprised if Dylan Sandberg is in. And like we've said before with Billy, I mean, of course he'd love to get another ten game run, but when you're in competition, you need to you know stack games. You know, so one out of two good. So. 50% is better than 0% or, you know, better than one out of four. But is that enough to give him a decisive edge over Dylan Sandberg, given what he does for the Jets penalty kill? Right now, I would say those two guys are still operating at a mostly even level. And I would say, based on overall body of work, Sandberg is ahead of him because he's had more opportunity to play. So, um I, well, I and the, the role, and the role. I mean, you kind of mentioned, role, exactly, I mean, the fact exactly. that he's in a, in a penalty killing spot, and I think that's a benefit to both he and Logan Stanley. Um, I, Like, Stanley's out of the non-contact jersey. Um, How soon do yeah. you expect him to be activated, and does he go right back into the lineup and see where he's at? Or, I mean, at what point does he get an opportunity to, to play? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I Rick said prior to the trip that it wasn't going to be soon. So and again, things can change with healing and everything else and recovery and and rehab and everything else. But I don't see him playing on this road trip. And it, is it last time he went straight in? Right. So, I mean, if we're looking at the history of Rick Bonus, yes, it's possible that he goes right back in. Us, you and I talked about this before he came back the last time. I would have thought and still do think he would have been better served by a conditioning stint coming off the last injury. This was also a you know an injury of a serious nature. So given the circumstances, I think the Jets should consider a similar concept to what you and I discussed, but you know they didn't do it last time, so I'm not expecting them to do it this time either, you know, though I wouldn't rule it out of the question, but 
you know, when it becomes a three-horse race or a four-horse race, if you want to include Capabianco, I mean, it becomes problematic because Hainala is the easiest guy to send down because he, he and Sandberg both don't require waivers. So, you know, and same thing's coming up front when Gustafson's healthy, right? So Kuhlman sat out yesterday for the first time. Is that, you know, does that mean, it doesn't mean he's out of the competition. It just means he's not in the, on the first, second, third, or fourth line. He's now competing for the, you know, 11th and 12th spots in the lineup. So, I mean, there's big, big decisions still coming. And then, you know, never mind what happens if there's a player brought it, player or two brought in via trade. So the competition is, is, is endless for these guys. And they're going to have to try to do something to distinguish themselves among the pack. Because right now that I would say the competition for the sixth defenseman spot, much like the 11th and 12th forwards, I still consider both of those things to be wide open, Hus, don't you? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think some guys have a bit of a head start on others. And I think that Dylan Sandberg's, uh, you know, on, on top of Philly. And again, with what they want out of that sixth defenseman, I think that, you know, Logan Stanley becomes an option as well. I still think in a lot of ways it's sort of Dylan Sandberg's to lose once he gets back in and we'll see what happens uh, when that uh, when that goes down. Kenny, have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the uh, K&R get-together tomorrow night. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we're uh, talking about, um, well, maybe uh, putting a few wins together next week when you join us as the team gets back home after finishing up this road trip. Appreciate it. All the best, Huss. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Chiefs. And, yeah, it should be a fantastic weekend. Enjoy uh, the breakdown with the uh, Hacksaw. We'll, have, we'll talk to you soon, my man. You got to take care. There's Ken Weeb on Twitter, at Weeb's World, and you can check out all of his work writing Jets and the National Hockey League at sportsnet.ca. Yes, it is just about Hacksaw time. Just before we do that, of course, we're going to be talking NFL football, but when we're talking Blue Bomber football here on the program, and, of course, curling, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto. Princess Auto, great sponsor of ours and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Um, the Culligan Gang, I know it's a new year, and I've been saying, hey, drink more water. Well, they've been uh, helping Manitobans drink the best water for over 65 years as a family-owned business. They've got you covered for water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, just to get started, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them in person at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call for all your water needs at 204-694-5180 or check out all their water products and solutions online at drinkculligan.com. And hey, the weekend's here. If you're making a trip by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, don't forget to check out our great friends at Canadian Club and a couple great sales they've got going on right now for the month of January. Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve Big discount, the lowest price of the year. They've also got a new rye available, Rifle Rye from the Beam Suntory family, also on a great introductory price right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, official spirit of the Bombers, and Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, talked a lot of hockey, but this is a big, big football weekend. And we'll be watching the Jets take on the Sens and the Flyers. I know most of you will also be taking in the National Football League playoffs. And 
We got to get to the games this weekend and a lot of fallout from Super Wildcard Weekend. And you know who we're going to do that with. The man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Check out the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com and the new YouTube channel as well. Hacksaw, what's up? How are you? Stop laughing at me. Tell you what, I thought of you yesterday morning because I go out early in the morning because I have to do rehab in my neck and my back. And I go outside and I'm looking at my car and I said, what is this? Frost. I mean, big time frost, like 33 degree frost in San Diego. I was going to call you at home and ask if I could borrow your ice scraper. So stop laughing at me. Yes, it was cold. And by the way, my house is not insulated for 33 degree weather at seven o'clock in the morning, Hustler. Yeah, I'm sure you've got a lot of sympathy in the chat right now, Hacksaw, considering, although the weather's actually quite nice. We're not far off that right now, just a little bit below zero or below 32 for uh, the Fahrenheiters are out there. Listen, Lee, I want to get to the games on the weekend, of course, Um, but I have to ask you, uh, listen, I I take no pleasure in doing this, talking about the demise of the Chargers last week, but... uh, You've covered this team for a long time. You've covered the league for a long time. And again, I didn't do a big touchdown dance on Twitter or anything like that because as a Chiefs fan, I remember blowing a 28-0 lead in 2014 against Andrew Luck and the Colts. It happens. That being said, that game should have been over. Um, How the hell did they blow it? And what's been the fallout with the Chargers post-blowing that lead against the Jags? You know as well as I do that nobody on social media has an opinion about anything. <laughs> Holy cow. What what happened Saturday night in the fourth quarter and my cell phone started to blow up because I'm kind of the focal, focal point of anybody that's critiquing the Chargers leaving San Diego to go to Los Angeles. Just absolutely crazy. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Brandon Staley, bright light young coach, got out coached by that old dog, Doug Peterson. I mean, the Chargers did things in the first half against Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville that freaked that quarterback out. And then they blitzed the daylights out of him in the first half. They they pressed guys at the line of scrimmage. They were putting seven guys in and around the box. He had no place to go, and he kept forcing balls, and he got deflections and bad throws and guys jumping routes and all that. And suddenly it was 27 nothing, and he was shell-shocked. But then they scored right at the end of the first half. And then they came out and scored to start the second half. And what happened was in the second half, Doug Peterson made changes. I was sitting there watching the game. And from their first formation in the second half on, they moved their tight ends and their slot guys in as blockers. And suddenly the Charger blitz went away. The pressure went away. And then Trevor Lawrence is standing back in a clean pocket, counting a house and then throwing a ball down the field. And the Chargers never reacted to what Peterson did in his reaction to what happened in the first half. I thought it was a marvelous coaching job, and the kid played with great confidence. And on the other side, the Chargers ran out of players. They have so many injuries, and and the fallout has just been brutal this week in Southern California. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched and taken part in, in Brandon Staley's press conferences, and I was shocked that he hit the eject button on three assistant coaches. I don't know how you rationalize firing your offensive coordinator when the quarterback under that coordinator is thrown for 9,500 yards in just the last two seasons, making reference to Justin Herbert. So I totally disagree with everything the Chargers have done in terms of the blame game, because I think what they did was they, they pointed scapegoats rather than found solutions. And, you know, their issues are manpower. Their issues are injuries. Their issues are a young coach that made mistakes, 
why are you blaming other people? And if it's not bad enough just with the Chargers, Andrew, you go across town on the Rams and Sean McVay comes back, and now there's eight assistant coaches, possibly including all three of his coordinators, gone. And this is from a Rams coaching staff that was in the Super Bowl a year ago this week. So, I mean, it's just been a wild week here uh, in Southern California. But here's here's the asterisk point to the whole Charger conversation when they lost on Saturday night. Saturday night, Hustler, was the sixth anniversary of the night the owner, Dean Spanos, took the franchise out of San Diego. Six years ago, that night, they lost that playoff game. And I, I was doing TV anchor work at that time, and I stood in the parking lot of the Charger facility when the fans were coming by dumping all their Charger gear and setting it on fire in front of the front door of the Charger team facility. Uh, so how about that karma coming back six years to the night? He fled San Diego in the dark. His team fled from the playoffs with just a pitiful, pitiful performance. You got me on a soapbox. You don't want me on a soapbox, but well, no, I, I love it. I knew you'd have takes, and that's why I wanted to ask you about it. And just before we wrap and kind of move on to these games this week, I mean, a common narrative around the National Football League is that in almost every other location, Brandon Staley would have been fired, but Spanos is too cheap to pay a, a coach not to coach his team, and then go drop a big check on a new guy. Uh, is there truth to that? And um, I guess just to finish off the coaching thing, Sean Payton was a guy that you would think would love that job if it was available to him. I mean, uh, what's the latest on Payton? Well, in terms of the Charger situation, I might be standing on the street corner by myself. I guess I'll do it again. I would have never fired Staley. But obviously, Staley's got to do a better job as he grows into coping with adversity. Mm -hmm. And people figure out the junk that they're running and they're going to defend it. And so, therefore, he's got to be able to make the adjustments and he's not been able to do that. I can't forgive him for what he did the week ago when he played all of his starters in a meaningless game in Denver and lost Mike Williams. You think Mike Williams on the field in Jacksonville might have made a difference? They might. They should be playing yes. this weekend in <laughs> City rather than be like you and me watching the game on TV. Uh, in terms of Sean Payton, uh, there's a whole layer of different questions. He's going back for a second interview in Denver. Uh, he had a four-hour interview this past Tuesday. There's a second interview, I think it's this coming Tuesday, with the Broncos. And the story that's just started to leak out, Russell Wilson called Sean Payton, uh, I think in the last 48 hours, and said, I want you to come. If they offer, I want you to come. We can fix this thing. Because you take Sean Payton with a different approach to Russell Wilson, and you get everybody who's been hurt back healthy, and suddenly Denver, I think, is a player in the AFC West. But the problems are Peyton wants Boku bucks, kind of like the kind of money you're making, Hustler, like <laughs> north of $10 million a year. And he wants total player personnel control. I don't know that the Bronco ownership is going to go to George Payton, the general manager, and saying, you're reporting to Sean Payton. He's making the decision. I don't know if that's going to happen. And then there's the whole compensation story, which has just started to leak out. New Orleans reportedly wanted somebody's number one as compensation. But New Orleans went back and investigated how much the Raiders and Tampa Bay paid in the John Gruden story. And they investigated when Belichick and Parcells were jumping from New England to the Giants to the Jets. And there was all kinds of draft pick compensation there. The feeling was that, hey, if, if somebody got two first-round draft picks for John Gruden, we should get two first-round draft picks. And Denver's already traded a pile of picks for Russell Wilson, so I don't know what kind of currency they have to make this kind of deal. Uh, there, there's a total of four more interviews that Peyton's going through. There's one schedule for this coming week in Carolina, uh, obviously Houston, Arizona, 
and Denver all in the mix. I would think Denver might be the best case scenario if he's willing to give up player personnel control, but he gets paid and they come to a compensation agreement. Maybe he winds up with the Denver Broncos. But you know, it's kind of a sidebar, Andrew. It's amazing how many assistant coaches were fired this week around the NFL. Oh. You know, there are there are ten offensive coordinators jobs open in the NFL, and outside of a head coach, your OC is probably as important a member of your staff as anywhere. There's 10 of those jobs open, and, you know, the Rams got rid of eight guys. Uh, Tampa Bay fired nine. Jacksonville fired – or not Jacksonville. Tampa Bay and Miami. Uh, so many coaches out on the street right now, and I've never seen a blood purge like this of coordinators uh, from guys whose head coaches still have jobs. It's It's just been weird. No, it really has been. And just I'll be interesting to see what happens with Peyton because, I mean, as much as the Denver might be that right spot, I, you know, with the capital they've already traded, and then if they had to give up another first rounder or two, where does that leave them going forward? Anyways, that's a great offseason topic. We're not done with the playoffs yet. My favorite weekend of the year eight best teams, four games, starting it off with the Chiefs and the Jags. And, Listen, the Jags have sort of played their Super Bowl the last two weeks. I mean, to get into the playoffs, they had that crazy win. Uh, but they're moving up a couple weight classes, not only in opponent, but also in venue. Um, what can we realistically expect from the Jags in this opportunity in Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Andy Reid coming off the bye. No surprise, the Chiefs are a pretty big favorite. What are your thoughts, Lee? Saturday, Sunday, big boy football. Uh, period yep. exclamation point. Uh, Jacksonville, I think they've now learned what the pressure points are in postseason play. Postseason football is really different than playing week three or week eight or week 12 of the regular season. I think philosophically, you know, Doug Peterson's guys are just glad to be here. Okay, well, that's nice going to Arrowhead Stadium. That's going to really, really be hard. That venue, excuse me, is a bitch to play in. And I, I will tell you this, in terms of Jacksonville, are they going to slow down Kansas City? Do they think they can slow down Kansas City? Or do they have to make it a throwing contest to hope they can compete with Kansas City? Let me ask you this question. I don't know if you were in Chiefs gear at this hour, but which number impresses you the most? Patrick Mahomes is 72-19 and 19 as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Andy Reid is going after his 20th postseason playoff win, which would make him second in the history of the NFL in postseason. Are you impressed with 413 yards per game? Are you impressed with 5,250 yards passing from the quarterback? I mean, Kansas City just writing a script of greatness. So I just think it's going to be very hard for Jacksonville. I don't think they can hang in there defensively, and I don't think they can play catch-up and make it a throwing contest. So Kansas City will win, and then they'll march on to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, listen, I mean, I'm sort of with you on that, but I do think that what Jacksonville has already achieved coming from being the worst team in the league in the last two years, the misery of the Urban Meyer era that ended before a full season was done, um, they really are playing with house money right now, and that does make a team somewhat dangerous. Tomorrow night, speaking of playing with house money, nobody had the Giants in the final eight right now. And Lee, they're going up against a divisional rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, that they just saw in week 18 in a game that Philly needed. The Giants weren't really playing their guys, and it was still a relatively close game. The Giants seem to be playing their best football of the year. The Eagles have been the standard in the NFC. Um, do you think this will be a close one, or is this the number one seed taking advantage of the bye and booking their trip to a home game for a trip to the Super Bowl? 
I think the bye week came at the most important time of the year for Philadelphia because this extra week allowed Jalen Hurts to continue to rehab the shoulder injury. And the intangible thing is they get their best offensive lineman, Lane Johnson, who's been battling core muscle injuries another week to get healthy. But you look at Philadelphia and everybody knows about Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And I mean, they're so dangerous offensively. You know, Hustler, they have 70 quarterback sacks this year. 70. Think about that. And you add in, obviously, the takeaways, et cetera. Uh, The Giants have had a a tremendous season. What Daniel Jones has made himself into be throwing down the field and then running for his life. He's had a tremendous statistical season, and they do have Saquon Barkley. But I just think there's there's too much firepower in Philadelphia. The bye week is huge for them. Uh, You think guys wearing green, black, and white are going to be amped up and drunk for that game? The environment (laughs) in Philadelphia is just going to be through the roof. So I I just think the Giants have, have made tremendous strides in increments of improvement. What a job Dayball has done. Might be the coach of the year to get him this deep into postseason. But I do think the wheels fall off Cinderella's carriage this weekend. And Philadelphia is really, really good. The game I think everyone is um, excited to watch. Um, they were excited a few weeks ago to see it on Monday Night Football. We all know what happened. But the Bengals and Bills now get it on for a trip to the AFC Championship game, Lee. And listen, the Bengals have some major issues on their offensive line. Um, but man, Joe Burrow, if there's anyone that's used to playing behind a iffy offensive line, it's been Joe Burrow. He's been doing it since he's gotten into the league, and we know what he's done so far, you know, becoming truly one of the great stars in the National Football League. This this line opened at four, four and a half. I thought that we'd be talking about a three-point game very close. It has gone the other way. It's five and a half right now for the Bills. Um should the Bills be such a big favorite against the 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 uh, the Bengals right now, considering what we've seen from both teams, Lee? And uh, how do you see this one playing out? The weather might play a factor here. They're talking a little bit of snow, maybe some sleet, rain. You can play in all that. But if it's 20-mile-an-hour winds, that's going to be the big issue. Josh Allen and those guys have all that experience of playing in that bad weather. Joe Burrow does not. Two great quarterbacks, both both over 4,600 all-purpose yards. Both have got firepower, Stephon Diggs and all those guys. Uh, obviously, uh, Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. Uh, they got three wide receivers that have really grown quickly under Joe Burrow's tutelage. Uh, the, the wild card in the whole equation is the turnover factor because Josh Allen is really turning the football over at an alarming rate. And I don't understand why in crunch time he's making the decisions he does now as a third or fourth year pro. He's doing junk in Buffalo right now, the back half of the season into the playoffs. He used to do a Wyoming, which would get him beat. And I'll tell you, now that you're playing this deep into the season, you can't be making the bad throws and the forced throws into coverage and be careless with the football. And yet that's still going on. But maybe the psyche in Buffalo Hustler is, hey, we scored 54 touchdowns on offense. We can overcome that. And they have overcome it. I think Buffalo has to be the edge favorite going into this game emotionally. you still got all the emotion in the community and love towards Hamlin and Hamlin's love back towards the city of Buffalo. And the weather plays a piece of this equation. If, if the wind is blowing sideways on Joe Burrow, uh, it's, it's going to be a really, really good game. I'm, I'm picking Buffalo to somehow survive a shootout. Yeah, no, I I can't wait for this game. And um, I think it is going to be close. I mean, would, would I be surprised if either team won? No. I am surprised, though, that, um, you know, they're hanging at a line like five and a half on the Bills right now. 
um, considering what we've seen. And listen, they were the authors of their own demise. I mean, there's a lot of things that the Jets did in the second period against the Leafs that sort of reminded me of the Bills letting the uh, Dolphins back into that game last week. But you do mention the turnovers, and it seems like those have really gone up since Josh Allen got hurt a little earlier this year, Lee. And I have to say, in that game against Miami, one of the things that was the most puzzling, and this goes to what you said about some of the things that Josh Allen was doing, like third down, third and four, third and five, was like me playing in Madden football on the Xbox. They just kept on going four verts, throwing it down the field, um, and often it turned into a punt. The uh, the way that they handled that offense against the Miami was a little bit puzzling, and I got to tell you, if they give those sort of opportunities to Joe Burrow, I don't think they'll be as fortunate as they were last weekend against the third stringer in Skylar Thompson. Well, I will tell you this, though, that even if they give opportunities to him, understand that Buffalo's defense is just really dangerous. And Buffalo takes the football away. And, I mean, they've, they've got like 44 sacks, 29 takeaways. They're holding the enemy to 39% conversion on third downs. Buffalo does bring it. Now, they'll be bringing it against an offense that does go down the field. So it's going to be fascinating to see. But to me, the most, the most big storyline in my heart is Josh Allen. Why are you doing the things that you're doing in crunch time? You know, you don't need on third and four to go 30 yards down the field, even if you get to line of scrimmage and a pre-snap read says single coverage uh, wide receiver on a safety. You don't necessarily have to try to get down the field and do it because if you don't, you got to punt it. And now if you're punting to Joe Burrow, now they get the one that bring all their bullets to the line of scrimmage and try to make plays go on the other way. So the turnover factor to me is the, is the really big storyline with what's going on in Buffalo. All right, final game, Lee. Very interesting. I mean, I've been real high on the Niners. I mean, the, the Chiefs went in, what, about over two months ago, put up 44 on San Francisco. And since that, they've been crushing teams. They score 30-plus points on most nights um, and, of course, are are poised and ready to go, hosting the Dallas Cowboys, who had a great game on Monday. But the way I see it, they played the JV Buccaneers, and they're moving up to the big boys of the varsity on the road. Credit to Dak Prescott. He was awesome on Monday. Um, but, man, it's a shorter week. The Niners have two extra days to prepare. Another road trip for the Cowboys, who've seemingly been on the road for the last uh, month and a half. Um, how much chance do you give the Cowboys to go in and shock the 49ers, who are obviously favorites for a reason? I thought the last five, six weeks of the season, Dak Prescott did not play real well. He didn't. And then he comes out and goes 25 for 33. He had three drops in that group, and then he had four touchdown passes. And they really worked at tempo, and they worked at rhythm, and they were down the field. And he was throwing to his tight ends first, then thrown to the wideouts, and then flare passes to Pollard and running Zeke occasionally. And that was a pretty complete offensive package that they, they put uh, in that, that last win. That being said, this is the 49ers, and this is a 49er defensive pass rush that's relentless. You know, and you can feel good about, oh, we scored a couple of touchdowns against San Francisco's defense. But I ask the question, what are you doing on the other eight possessions of the game that you get? You're not doing much, if anything. Uh, so San Francisco is just relentless on defense. 47 sacks, 33 takeaways that make it so hard to get drives going and get first down so you can continue drives. And the flip side of that, is the kid quarterback has now won six in a row, Brock Purdy. So much for the scouting combine and where you get drafted and five-star All-American status. What this kid has done, surrounded by good people, is really, really impressive. Frisco's won 11 in a row. And, you know, and from the Dallas perspective, 
you know, how are you going to defend all this? Because you got to defend the decision making of Brock Purdy. He does not get flustered. And then you got CMC, Christian McCaffrey, and then you got Debo, and then you got Kittle, and then you got Ariuk. Now they got a healthy power back in Elijah Mitchell, back off injured reserve. Got a really tough guy offensive line. Now, I grant you, Dallas's defense is really good. Dallas has got 56 sacks, 34 takeaways. So it's going to be fun to see how these two quarterbacks cope with a crisis that's going to be in their face. And now I'm talking about pass rush, Micah Parsons and all his pals. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I'd hate to say field goal kickers might decide this because I think both these quarterbacks may get slowed down a little bit. But, oh, like I said, big boy football. This might be the, the best war of all the games this weekend in the NFL. Well, I, listen, I, I know one team that I hope I think does not hope it comes down to the field goal kickers would be the Dallas Cowboys. Certainly not extra points. You ever seen anything like that? Missing four in a row in a playoff game last week? Well, I taped the game because I always like to go back and look at certain aspects. And I tried to find if there was a mechanical flaw in what Brett Maher was doing. And I didn't see any glitches. I didn't see any problems with his steps and all that or his follow through. Now, they've said they interviewed uh, their special teams coach uh, this past week. And he said, well, one of the problems we think that he they have the K bag of footballs that the kickers use. That's the only time the ball's used. Well, two of the balls that Dallas used were kicked into the stands and were never returned. So they were using, quote, strange footballs for Maher to try the point after kicks. <laughs> that was one of the explanations. And the other one, and I don't know if you heard about this. This holder had a system with Maher. They would take a blade of white painted grass and they would put it right in front of where the holder is to take the snap and place the ball down. Well, somebody complained to the league. The league official came in during the game and said, you can't put anything on the field that would help your kicker. And the holder would line the ball up on the snap right behind the white painted piece of plastic grass. And then Marher would kick it. Well, that went away. Now, that to me is a weird explanation, but that's the kind of stuff that's coming out of Dallas right now. They just did side journeyman kicker Tristan Vescaiano. They may have two field goal kickers on the active roster for the game with the Niners. Huh. Uh, but, the, you know, they made a public vote of confidence to Maher. You're the guy. Now, if he misses another one, Vescaiano might be the guy the rest of that game. So I don't know whether it was mechanical, psychological whether the blade of grass thing had something to do with it, the K-balls. I'm just giving you the, all the angles to the story. I'll let you guys in Winnipeg figure it out. Yeah, well, I think he just got the yips, and I had to laugh because that guy that they signed was 10 of 15 kicking extra points last year. So it doesn't seem like that was his specialty either. Either way, Lee, it should be an awesome, awesome weekend. By the way, folks, marbles are open. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Hacksaw, it's a huge weekend. Uh, what can people look forward to on the YouTube channel and the website heading into the weekend? Well, if you like sports in Winnipeg, and you must because you're watching this guy every day of the week, uh, go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's all written. It's really different. And you can go to my YouTube channel because we do uh, two different YouTubes uh, each week. Punch that up. I think you'll find it very, very different, too. But talking ton of NFL football and like everything else, I cover baseball and basketball. And I do a lot as it relates to the National Hockey League. So just check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com and then sample 
the YouTube once you get done with Hustler. I think you'll like what we put out there. Yeah, folks, if you're with us on YouTube right now, if you go into the description of this program, you'll see a link over to Lee's YouTube channel. Make sure to click that. Go over, give him a sub, and check it out. Lee, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week as we get down to the Final Four. You got my mailing address. Please send that icebreakers. 33-degree weather in the morning here. My house is not insulated for 33-degree weather. Hey, dude, I live in San Diego. Good Thoughts to talk to you, Hustler. Have a great sports weekend. We'll chat with you next Friday. Thoughts and prayers to all of you dealing with that California winter weather. There it is, the man, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. All right, as I mentioned, gang, uh, Marbles registration is open. Uh, if you're just sort of listening and maybe not paying attention, get in there right now. Exclamation mark Marbles will give you another couple minutes to get your entries in. And then it's time to drop them to finish off the week here on WST. All right, um, hey. Got to give a big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Man, it's been nice over the course of these last few days. A perfect time to take advantage of uh, this beautiful weather and get some ice cream. Where better to do it than the Nick and Nikki DQ group? Four Winnipeg locations and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Neverville, along with DQ Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's here in Winnipeg. Um, some amazing new Blizzard flavors there. And hey, you can also get a blizzard cake, ice cream cake, blizzard cake, whatever you need. If you got a party or a little an event, you want to get something special done up for, hit them up on Instagram and let them know what you're looking for. Nick and Nikki will get it done up for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And while you're in there, you might want to grab a blizzard, some of those take-home ice cream novelties. Or if you're starving, jump on one of those double stack burgers. Damn, they are good. Thanks again to Nick and Nikki for their support of WST. And today, folks, it's the last day to enter in the Little Brown Jug and Bright Water giveaway over on Instagram. Listen to what you can win. A $100 Little Brown Jug gift card. Four cases of Bright Water. 24 cans of each flavor. A tour of Little Brown Jug's brewery for you and five friends. Everyone will get a beer flight and a tulip glass each, not to mention a black little brown jug hat and T-shirt. All right. If you want to win, here's how you enter. Head on over to Instagram, the little brown jug brewing. Like the Instagram post for the contest with bright water. Tag three friends and make sure you're following at little brown jug brewing and bright dot water on Instagram. And if you want an extra entry, you can share the post to your story. So a great, great prize, including a little visit to LBJ, cases of bright water, a $100 Little Brown Jug gift card, and all you got to do is head on over to Instagram and follow the instructions. And hey, Friday's here, just about happy hour. The happy hour is a lot happier with Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Pop down and see them in the exchange at the brewery and tap room. And don't forget, they do deliver citywide at littlebrownjug.ca. And check out that Good Times Variety Pack wherever they sell good beer. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Remo, great stuff with Hacksaw. It's nice to move on from the hockey for a little bit. Man, I'm fired up. Do you have any thoughts on these games this weekend? Is there an upset in the making? Uh, I haven't looked too close. I'm going to get to my fantasy laps. I will say um, Cincinnati has, I think they could give Buffalo some trouble. Uh, I was listening to a podcast. They were reciting some stats. Joe Burrow against not the Ravens uh, has been pretty good. The Ravens seem to show uh, have him in check. And I don't know, Buffalo, I was shocked last week. Skyler Thompson, that's the quarterback, third string 
I thought they were going to score like zero points. They only had like six or was it 11 against the Jets in week 18? Like the number of points they put up on Josh Allen, a lot of it because, you know, the turnover. But uh, I don't know. Don't They are. I don't know if you know this. They're like, I completely forget all the time. They're the defending AFC champions, the Bengals. So you probably shouldn't oh, yeah. count them out. No. Believe me. Believe I know me. I said I'm, that earlier I, this I, week. I, but, yes, uh, I know you continue to trigger me, uh, but that's fine. I'm thinking about the Jaguars first and foremost. We'll get to the AFC championship Something. game uh, when uh, when it comes. And that game, by the way, if the Chiefs win in the early game tomorrow, we'll wait until Sunday to see what happens between Cincinnati and Buffalo. And again, this is if the Chiefs win in advance. The AFC championship game, if the Bills win, will be in Atlanta next Sunday. And if the Bengals win, will be at Arrowhead Stadium in a rematch of last year. So um, a lot on the line. But first things first for Kansas City, they got to take care of business, which uh, is a perfect time as we uh, give you a last call for marbles. And Remus, whenever you want to wrap that up, we can do that. Let's get to the cool bet lines. And we've seen a little bit of line movement. And check out today's lock shop, by the way, if you haven't already. Um, and you know what? While we're here, I'm going to throw this. I'm going to copy this link and throw this in the chat. Head on over to the Lock Shop YouTube channel and make sure you're subscribed, folks. We're giving away. Uh, we're just about a 500 subs. When we get to a thousand, we're giving away a thousand dollars cash. So you just got to be subscribed to the channel and retweet the uh, the tweet. But there you go. There's the Lock Shop YouTube channel. Um, do us a favor, give us a sub over there and you can check out today's episode where Dusty and I go through our picks for all four games, but there has been some line movement. The chiefs were eight to eight point favorites. It was eight and a half a little earlier. It's now up to nine, but what is incredible, Pat Gregor from Kubek came on with us earlier today and said that 95% of the handle was on the Jags to cover the spread. But yet the line's going the other way, which is very, very fishy. Um, so take that into account when you're making your wagers. Chiefs right now, nine and a half point favorites at minus 106. If you want to get it to nine, it's minus 112 and eight and a half at minus 115. That's the early game tomorrow. Then we go to the Giants and Eagles. This one's sort of gone back and forth between seven and a half. It got as high as eight earlier right now. Um, we've got Giants minus 11. Minus 111, if you want to get plus eight, if you want to get seven and a half, it's minus 105. Eagles, opposite numbers, but uh, seven and a half or eight, that number. And then this number on the Bills and Bengals. And I'll be honest, I'm still a little wondering how we got to this point at five and a half. It opened up at four or four and a half. I really did think that we'd be talking about three or three and a half is the number. Um, but it looks like it's going to stick in and around five and a half. I know at Coolbet said about 62% of the handles on the bills. Not entirely surprising because of how much business they do in Southern Ontario. A lot of bills mafia in and around there. Uh, but to me, that is the game of the week. And I'm surprised that number is not a little shorter. And then the final game, the Niners, four point favorites against the Dallas Cowboys. That was three and a half yesterday. Um, I kind of thought that number would be around six. So still a lot of people high on the Cowboys after beating the Buccaneers on Monday night football. We do have some divisional round specials. These are always fun. Um, most passing yards, Mahomes, the favorite at two to one, Josh Allen, four to one, Joe Burrow, plus four fifty. 
Dak, seven to one. Jalen Hurts, nine to one. Trevor Lawrence, 10 to one. And then Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, 12 to one. And Danny Dimes, no respect for Danny Dimes, at least the arm, 20 to one for most passing yards. They've got most rushing yards, most receiving yards. And you've also got options for the highest scoring team and the lowest scoring team. No surprise, Kansas City, two to one favorite to be the highest scoring team. Next couple are Philly and Buffalo, all there over in the NFL section. And while you're at it, go check out the Cool Bet exclusives. The Lock Shop Partner Parlay is in. It was diff- different this uh, this week. We did not tell each other our picks beforehand, and we went back and forth picking games. Uh, and we we're on three of the straight ga- uh, three of the same games. We adjusted the line a little bit, so now we get Giants plus ten and a half, Bengals plus seven and a half, and Niners minus two and a half. That number when we put it in was in and around plus three seventy five. Got a nice little bump up to plus 410. So if you want to get in on the Lock Shop Partner Parlay, that's there for you at plus 410. Giants plus 10.5, Bengals plus 7.5, Niners minus 2.5 in the Cool Bet exclusives. And if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, make sure you use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit. Get you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks over at Cool Bet. Oh, I'm fired up for these games, Remus, and I'm pumped that the Chiefs are first tomorrow so I can sweat that one out and then hopefully know that they have advanced and then just enjoy the other three, not to mention a couple big games for the Jets trying to snap that losing streak. Yeah, big one Saturday. There's also Hockey Day in Canada Saturday, huh? so I think there's a game all day. We have NFL basically all weekend. Uh, I do like a Joe Burrow at the uh, passing yard leader. I think that could happen. Although Trevor Lawrence, what if they, uh, you know, get down, have to come back, throw? I mean, that's not bad. And Daniel Dimes getting, uh, he's kind of getting dumped on it. I'm a big fan, Huss. They had a lot of designed runs for him. I said he was one of the, the top running QBs in the league. Definitely looked pretty strong against Minnesota, but their defense much different than what he's going up against on Sunday with, I think that's also has respect for the Eagles defense as well. Um, so again, looking forward. I'm to really NFL. high on the Giants this week. I mean, I, I think the Giants could win this game. Like, I think to there's... win, not cover. I think they might be able to win these divisional games. Third game of a year between three between two teams are always difficult for the team that won the first two. And I think the Giants are playing their best football of the year. And we haven't really seen the best of the Eagles for more than a month. Now, injuries has been a big part of that. And, you know, certainly if you're an Eagles fan, you're hoping that the uh, the time that they've had to get Jalen Hurts healthy will make a big difference. I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk for Philly, though, at all. And uh, tell you what, I think Brian Dable's going to have a little something cooked up for the Eagles defense, much like he did for... The Vikes D, but that's moving up a couple weight classes because that was Swiss cheese last week. And uh, the the both the pressure and the secondary from the Eagles had really has been elite all season. Yeah, before I go, I am going to close the marble. Before I respond, I'm going to close the marble race. So it's okay, closed. Perfect. We, you gave the warning and make, remind yeah. everyone to hit the thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. It's just down, down below so we can do, get to this uh, more quickly. But as far as the Eagles... We don't know if Jalen Hurts is healthy. He hasn't played. Um, they play these teams played each other. What was it week eighteen, where the Eagles needed to win to secure the bye, and the Giants rested everyone, and the Giants gave them a run for their money. The Eagles did not look very good. So, uh, 
yeah, Brian Dable getting a lot of coach of the year consideration. You know, maybe there is a divisional upset. I don't know. That could be interesting. I'm, I've been a fan of uh, Daniel Jones the last bit. He's been uh, pretty good for fantasy with his rushing passing combination and you know these no-name 17, receivers. 17 rushes last year. Yeah. And listen, they've also got Saquon Barkley, which I think allows them maybe to do a little bit more with their quarterback. And here's the other thing. And again, it won't be as easy as it was for them to move the football passing as it was against the Vikings. Um, but they really did show a lot. They're playing with house money right now, and I think the Giants are dangerous. Wouldn't be the first time we've seen a Giants team that everyone wrote off earlier get hot late in the year and make a little bit of a run. Should be a good one. And uh, I, I'm all over San Francisco, Reem. I know there's a lot of public support of Dallas Cowboys, America's team, and I know they look great. Dak Prescott was awesome, as we talked about with that hacksaw but I think the Niners are just on another level. And um, to me, I think Mr. Irrelevant moves on. And uh, as they say, the, in the NFC, my big question mark as to what happens in that Philly Giants game. I certainly like the Giants to cover eight points. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see about it. I know there's some people, Eagles fans, probably not pleased with that, but um, I think there is an element of, uh, of proving it coming up um, tomorrow. And man, what a great matchup between two NFC East teams. Credit to the NFC Beast. Three of the final four standing are from that division, and I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card when we started the year. No, uh, no, they did not. So Brian, Brian Dable doing a fantastic job there with the Giants, the Eagles having their great season, and the Cowboys. I, I think it's going to be a lot tougher for the Cowboys. They kind of walked all over. Uh, Tampa, who was not a playoff team, should have been the Lions. No. And um, you look, Dallas looked pretty rough against the Jaguars toward the end of the year. Uh, Houston, they had to scrape by. So uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Was that that the Sunday afternoon game? The, the Cowboys-Niners is the late game on Sunday. We go Bengals. Oh, okay. um, and by the way, the times are a little different. Uh, the times for these games, 5.30 on Sunday for Cowboys Niners, two for Bengals Bills. Really? Yeah. And tomorrow, 3.30 for Jags Chiefs and 7.15 wow. for Eagles Giants. All right, let's get Marvels going uh, before we finish it up. Uh, do we have a little Tristan Rivers oh. queued up for uh, for I, everyone's listening pleasure? I don't have a queued up. I should. If anyone wants to shout out... Uh... Uh, one that I can do. I'm just loading. No, I, you know what? I think I think it has to be dealer's choice. You need to surprise us now that we've got all of these different versions. Uh, and again, if you missed the tournament of champions, Tristan Candace had fired up different versions of the Marbles theme song for all 12 days of the Marble Race. So now, as we continue through the winter, we'll go back to the original at times. But they were so good. The videos were so funny. We figured we'd shake it up. So. Remo, if you have one of them ready to go, why don't we get the intro going and then we'll uh, get ready to drop the marbles. Okay, I'm going to pick one. People are yelling at me, close all my tabs to make sure it works. Yeah, I got like a million tabs. <laughs> close I'm, the tabs. A million tabs. Oh, Todd Furtani says, there wasn't a bad one, so you can't go wrong. Surprise. Exactly, Todd, exactly. That's very, very well said. All right. Okay, let me... My computer's all slow, just too many, too many tabs, Hustler. Come on, you've we've learned this. That is it's amateur hour if we get issues with the marbles because of 60 tabs being open. Oh, jeez. Okay, this one. I'll do this. It's Friday. Another week of 
work's gone by You deserve to treat yourself Maybe an ice cream cake or a bottle of rye Phone the whole day in So lax you can't deny Why use effort even for pleasure All right, yes, the sticks version of the WST Marbles theme by the incomparable Tristan Rivers Music. All right, Remo, how many marbles today? And uh, where are we going? 198. A lot of marbles. I see a lot of people in chat who got their lighter up after that one in the air. <laughs> a lot of people saying that's the best one, people dancing. Um. I've, we've had requests us for a long one. What's Marble's Diner? Is that do we know? Is that one any good? Do you remember the that one? Diner. I think we have done the Diner. I, I think that was actually a pretty good one. Either the Diner or the sure. Space Station. Sure, I'll put a one ninety eight Marbles. Well, let's do the Diner. Into the Diner. Bit, I'm always down a for a good Diner. One. They have they have everything, right, Hustler? Oh, hey, listen, I uh, I, I'm a I'm a Diner guy. Big debate on the Kelsey Brothers podcast as to whether Waffle House is a diner. I Travis said yes, Jason said no. I think it absolutely is a diner and uh if I do get down to the states next week, I will be hitting a Waffle House guaranteed, one of my favorite spots. Anyways, enough about waffles and diners. Well, Marbles Diner is what's on tap right now. Welcome to it, folks. Uh, just about 200 marbles in it. Good luck to everyone. And to finish off the week on Winnipeg Sports Talk, it's time to drop him on WST. Let's go. There you go. Shout out to Todd Fertania. Says he just called his junior high school girlfriend to dance during the sticks marble race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Todd's great. Uwachenko with the nice spot, but oh no, Bruce M and Bozeman with a nice start today. Keith Bartell in the mix right now. Dan Milburn up at the top. Theo Seeger's looking pretty good. Oh, yeah. Here we are heading into the Marbles Diner. Oh, here we go. I do remember this one. Yeah, this is a uh, it's a pretty fun one. Some people. Whoa. Ron P. getting shot up. Ron's in first right now. Bruce H. No, it says Lyndon Radishchenko. Oh, Lyndon. Lyndon has been thrown over the top rope. We just couldn't see his marble yet. Uh, Ron P is putting out a little bit of a... Uh... Now, this is some sort of a rainbow. That's It's an issue with Ron right now. Yeah, I don't know what that is. As other marbles try and come and catch up, although uh, no one's making too much room right now. Here comes Dan Milburn. Here comes Bozeman. But it is Ron with an H. It's looking pretty good right now. Bozeman's bouncing a little bit. 
Ron P looking good. This is a real stop. All right, the rest of the crew are coming in now. Red Ranger, Trevor, Mike Cochran, Winnipeg. But Ron P. Oh, Ron P's gotten thrown backwards. Whoa. No, into another one. Candace Jane thrown over the top rope. This is quite a weird one right now. There's been lots of... Uh, so the Marbles Diner now has other things that will stop you from cruising around. Dan Milburn and Bozeman seem to be making a little bit of work. Uh, okay, now it's a three-horse race. Ron P, though, gets through first. Dan Milburn right there. Bozeman behind him. Whoa, now everyone's getting thrown over the top rope. Holy smokes. That was a that was a ton. Okay, we're getting into some sort of a fan here. Stonewall Dave at the end. Stonewall what? Dave. What a move at the end. Ron P, first place all all afternoon. Got right at the end. You got got, Ron, unfortunately. Second place, though, still pretty darn good. So here is our what top ten. What happened there? I was following. I got distracted by everyone over the top rope and Stonewall Dave. Uh, you know what? what? Stonewall Dave obviously got a nice blast from the fan and ran in there right at the end, made up some major, major ground. All right, everybody else coming through. We got a pretty nice top ten here. Stonewall Dave with the uh, with the big comeback win at the end. Ron P, Dan Milburn, shout out Dan, Chucker, fourth, Eugene C, fifth, Bozeman, sixth. Very, very strong performance, Sean. Uh, Jane Owen, seven. Ryan, uh, Ryan K, and eight. Uh, oh, Mark A. Mark has had some big, big performances in the past. Nice top 10. And Eric W, the final in our top 10. Here's uh, Hammers Lost Luggage, Joey Panks, Theo Seegers. <laughs> Theo was at the start at the end, ended up finishing near the end. Oh, we're going to get some people getting burned. Todd Furtani, Dave the Fantasy. Oh, no, Todd made it through. Todd's going to be our official last, last marble of the uh, of it. All right, let's do a quick rundown. Stonewall Dave, the winner. We'll run down the final results. If you missed it, you can always go back to the replay and check and see where you finished up. Rob Kane in 12th, Cowboy. Nicely done. MC Stormy a top 20. Rob Mahoney a top 20. You can uh, cruise down now, Remo. Just give a quick look so people can check out if they uh, missed it later or wanted to see where they ended up. SK, always active in the chat. 25th, Julian Labossier as well. With some great takes in chat. Nice Marbles performance today. Ross Ransby, 31st. Pretty good uh, pretty good run for Ross today, unfortunately, in his head-to-head -head bet with Bose. Uh, the Bozeman came in sixth today. Alana Sutton. There's Reese. Eagle Eyes and Phyllis in the top 50. Nice work. Colorado Lowe's. We are going to get down to a large group of people that got thrown over the top rope all seemingly at the same time. Uh, everyone up here was a top 100 finisher. Um, we'll get down. Todd Fertani was the final, the final uh, marble across the line. Interested to see how many people actually got turfed before it all finished up. Kabilis. Well, Kabilis, you finished. 143. Todd Johnson got in there. What up, Todd? And then Todd Fertani, 169th. Everybody else tossed over the top rope. There's Tracy O, Dino. 
So there you go, folks. There's the marble race for uh, for a Friday. Stonewall Dave, you know what to do. Send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Running low on a few sizes or actually out of a couple sizes. So I'm not sure what size you are, but hopefully we've got a hoodie for you. If not, we'll figure something else or get another order in. Um, but that's going to do it for us, gang. Great week of shows. Unfortunate result last night for the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, Ottawa, Philly, Here's to an excited chat room for the Winnipeg Jets and a great weekend of football to be discussed on Monday afternoon. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And all of you, whether you're listening on podcast or hanging out with us live on YouTube, we greatly appreciate the support. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I mentioned, last call, I'm going to put the lock shop in there one more time. Get on over and subscribe at the lock shop as well. Get in for that thousand dollar giveaway. And uh, most importantly, enjoy the weekend. Two Jets games, four NFL playoff games. It's going to be a gooder. We'll see you 1 o'clock Monday afternoon to talk about the weekend and look ahead to the Jets finishing up their road trip in Nashville on Tuesday on Monday's Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks, everyone. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.